hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. He's out. Dad Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. This is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnabush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Victor. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand. The episode is finally here. The cursed episode, I guess you'll call it. Good night. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Today's guest, we have Curtis Tidbull, and uh, I swear to God, this episode is fucking cursed. Um, <laughs> it has been a nightmare to try to get this thing out. Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm kind of losing my voice a little bit today, but um, no, so... You know, I know this has been delayed getting out, and it's, oh, I'm going to release it, going to release it. Oh, it'll be out tomorrow. And I even told Curtis, Curtis was asking, when's it going to be out? I said, oh, it'll be out this uh, this time and this and that. Um, no, so what, what had happened was, as they say, you know, um, I had, you know, recorded the episode with Curtis. Everything went fine and saved it like usual. He just closed the laptop, went to bed, whatever, and then wake up and do whatever. And by the time it gets, uh, gets time to kind of sit down and go edit everything, I go back, well, the file didn't save properly. The file got corrupted, and, you know, I don't know the exact, uh, I don't mean to sound, you know, rude here, but like the nerd terms, I guess you could say, the technical terms. Um, I'm just some fat guy running a podcast out of the <laughs> the apartment here, so I don't know the exact, exact excuse me, Jesus, exact terms here. Um, but, yeah, so I had to piece the file back together and go back, and, I mean, I probably did about, well, I know I've probably listened to the episode over about two times, so that's roughly four hours of just going back, trying to piece everything together and figure it the hell out and um, make it happen. And so then after that, you know, I finally piece it back together, and that was just me going back and listening. So then proceed to, you know, oh, let me go ahead and record the intro. Well, go to record the intro, and uh, two things happened. One, all my software is corrupt, and so that was phenomenal. So, like, basically my program that... I needed to, uh, you know, edit the episode. No, for whatever reason, my mic wasn't working, and it was weird because we, I think we had a little bit of a power surge before that. Excuse me. Um, and so it was right, right as I got on, we had a, we, we've had a lot of storms lately down here, um, and it was right as I got on, it was like a small power surge, so I don't know if that had something to do with it, but, man, so all my software, basically... You know, there's like three softwares you kind of got to use uh, for podcasting, and it's Audacity, uh, and then this one called Voice Meter. That's kind of the big one that helps you record Skype calls and uh, do all the fun stuff that pretty much makes you podcast. Well, 
that got corrupted. I wasn't able to record Skype calls because then I was supposed to do another interview. Actually, that's how I, was, I found it out, uh, was I was supposed to do an interview with another player, and I felt bad. I had to sit there and say, I can't do it because everything kind of went fucking sideways in my mic, and hopefully this sounds okay on your guys' end. It sounds you know decent. I don't think it's quite the quality like it normally is. I, I'd have to go back and listen to it in the truck after um, I release it, but... Uh, all my my slides for like the volume have to be turned way up so i think something's wrong with my mic here um so i don't i don't know exactly what happened or what's going on but it's been absolutely brutal um and then to top it all off you know i think i think i'm gonna end up having to get a new mic and after redownloading all the software finally sit down today and you know i finally you know i got everything's figured out it took me a couple days to figure everything out again and uh, do all the settings, which actually I did an interview with another player, which was Jack Gregg. Um, so that'll be out next week. But I did an episode with him in the first probably 10 minutes of that damn episode. I I apologize on my end, and I'll, you know, rehash it next episode. But or one well, of the next episode's intro, I should say. But um, you probably hear me clicking 800 fucking times in that damn um like the start of the episode from like the first 10 minutes because I'm just trying to figure out audio levels like I just I can't do it for whatever reason they're all they're all changed so it's just been just been an absolute nightmare and then to top it all off today come down here sit down and oh I'm ready to do this podcast pull up my headphones and my headphones broke so that was great and luckily the fiance was able to use uh or let me use her her headphones they're bluetooth so sound a little bit different so it's going to be hit or miss and I apologize again if it sounds kind of wonky on my end but um, I know the interview is going to sound fine it's all just this intro and going forward of kind of re re getting the levels properly and I don't know if I get an actual good reading on it because like I said I think the mic is messed up now which I have to talk um, or I don't really have to talk louder than normal but I do have to turn the volume or like the little slider like the gain I guess you call it way up. Um, so you got to put a lot of decibels on it, unfortunately. So I don't know, but the podcast gods were not on my side. I guess you can say it has been brutal. Um, so, you know, luckily I got everything figured out now. So I think we'll be, uh, we'll be good going forward. Like I said, just maybe minus the, the Jack Greg episode. I don't think it's Jack. They actually had a lot of fun with that interview. Um, Jack was awesome, but on my end, in like the first 10 minutes, you're probably just going to hear a bunch of mouse clicking. So that's my fault. But um, again, I'll, you know, um, rehash that next intro. But yeah, so today's guest, Curtis Tidball, tough SOB. Uh, I didn't know how, I, I didn't realize how many fights he actually had. I mean, you go through his fight card, good night. Just look up, uh, go to Curtis Tidball fight card. You'll think you'll find it on hockeyfights.com. Uh, man, he fought everybody. You'll, uh, and played for years in the LNH, and I think he had two years, I think we had, um, in the, uh, the United League with, I think it was Flint and then Elmira, so he was in some tough, tough leagues. I mean, he was in the LNH for pretty much his entire career, so that should tell you all you need to know. Um, he actually has 613 fights, I believe, and um, I don't know, that's unofficially, I think, but if, you know, you look at his fight card, you could definitely tell. I mean, he's got over seven 7,000 penalty minutes in his career, so uh, he's doing something there, <laughs> that's for sure. And then, uh, it's, he's, I want to say, I looked, up, I looked up the record, and I think, I could be wrong, don't quote me on it, um, I don't have my notes in front of me anymore, because I've just been all over the damn place, so that's my fault. But I want to say he's two fights behind Mike Bro or Mike Brault, however you prefer to say it. But Mike Brault, or Mike Bro, again, so I'll say 
the French pronunciation for the sake of, I believe that's how it's actually pronounced, but Mike Bro, he actually has the record for the most hockey fights of all time, um, which I want to say is either, actually, I think he was one ahead of him. I think he has 614 and uh, Curtis Tidball has 613. So Curtis, if you're going back and listening to the intro here, I don't know, maybe you want to suit up for just two more games. You don't even just seatbelt the guys, just get the record. That's something that will never be broken into even in today's hockey. Even if you're playing in the LNH for years, you you know, starting now, I still don't think uh, that record's going to be broken. So I don't know if you want to go ahead and re resuit up the uh, or relace the skates and get back out there for two more goes uh, <laughs> to get the record. But oh, it's crazy to even think about. Um, and you know, kind of speaking of that record, uh, you know, he reached out to me and he actually has a T-shirt that I'll be purchasing. I'll be buying one tomorrow. Um, it's actually run by a company called Sinbin Clothing, and he did. You can get his because Curtis actually runs a hockey camp or hockey school now up there in uh, Quebec, which is called 3MT, and we we go over that here, and uh, you'll hear more about it in the interview. But he also has apparel with this company, and it's called Sinbin Clothing, and you can get the regular branded like 3MT. Uh, hockey or you can get like the other one which is this is the one I'm going to get where it's kind of got like a silhouette of Curtis on the back and it's got 613 fights um and it says Sinbinner of the world's toughest league on it so it's pretty cool uh, I'll definitely be getting one and uh wearing that with pride because that was uh it's quite a feat 613 fights is just unreal to even think about you know uh, especially with how today's game is, let alone even back then, <laughs> he was just fighting absolute animals because it's out in the LNH. So, um, and we definitely talk about it and go over it and uh, had a lot of fun with it. So yeah, again, that's Sinbin Clothing. Just Google it. Um, I'll probably put the I'll actually put the link in the description of the podcast. I think so. Maybe it'll be a little bit easier. But uh, if you look, I think if you just Google Sinbin Clothing, it'll pull up and it'll be. Technically, sinbinclothing.bigcartel.com, and uh, you can go check their stuff out. Um, but yeah, you go purchase yourself some Curtis Tidball apparel there in the 3MT Hockey School apparel would be good. Um, so again, I apologize this has taken so long and uh, been delayed getting out there, but you know, hopefully we're back in action here and getting back in the swing of things uh, next week and going forward, but... Uh, you know, no games tonight, I don't think. I think everything, I think they decided not to have any games because of, uh, you know, current events going on. And we'll leave it at that. I'm not going to touch on that because this isn't a place for politics or any political opinions. This is a hockey podcast, so that's what I like to stick to. Um, but, you know, playoffs, I, with everything going on. And, um, you know, the Lightning and the Bruins played the other night, and it was all right. But, man, it's I have to laugh, and I was talking to Darren about it. It's funny, you know. You see these people on Twitter or whatever, oh, you know, fuck the modern game, fuck this, fuck that. The game's soft now. It sucks. Which, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I agree with it. Oh, and the playoff comes on. Oh, go Bruins. Go Boston. Oh, come on. You know, go Bergeron's the best. Oh, well, you know, you just spent all that time shitting on the game. You're the first one to fucking purchase the center ice package. I never understand that. But, um, yeah, I guess it is what it is. You're the same thing. Oh, you know, I don't like to watch it. But, you know, first in line for the season tickets. Yeah, go go bees. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Brutal. But, um, well, I, I suppose I won't take too much, uh, too much time here. I don't really have too, too much to talk about. We'll just get the usual plug-ins here, so course i just mentioned his name but go check out darren over at the fourth line voice uh he just had an episode um with an 
North American Hockey League, not to be confused with the uh, the LNH, but the actual North American Hockey League that's in the U.S. here. It's kind of the like junior A for uh, the United States. Just had an announcer on there. I can't. His name just gave me right now, so I do apologize. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here while I'm you know yapping. But um, oh yeah, Drew Pelto. That's who it was. Uh, so we just had Drew Pelto on. Uh, talk about some North American Hockey League league uh, commentary and f- you know fights going on there and guys have kind of come and gone throughout the league. Uh, and he just released the Max Middendorf episode from the Vault that was on Monday, so you can go check those out. And Joe just kind of did the um, top ten toughest Islander left wingers of all time, and that's Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. Um, oh, real quick before leaving, you know, fourth line voice, you can go check out his YouTube channel. He's got, you know, over 2,000 fight videos from juniors to pro. Uh, and he, oh, pretty much any guy you could think of, he's on there. So definitely go check that out and subscribe to that, and you can watch a lot of good hockey fights. Um, but, yeah, so Joe over at Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box, he just had uh, a top ten list of the toughest Islander left wings of all time. So that's pretty cool. You can go check Joe's stuff out. He does a great job over there. And, um you know, very in-depth interviews, and he's had guys on like Eric Bolton, um, who else, Aaron Asham. He actually had a two-parter with Aaron Asham, Rob DeMaio, guys like that. So definitely go check that out. And Bobby Longgrass, he just dropped an episode, I think it was today, and he's at the Bucket Drop podcast. You can look that one up. Um, Oh, yeah, Donnie Augustine, that's who it was, of the LNH, and he actually fought Curtis Tidball twice, so it's kind of funny those episodes will go hand-in-hand there. Give me a sec. Let me get some water. Good night. I'm losing my voice. Like I said, I don't know why. There <clears throat> we go. Um, but yeah, so we definitely go check that out. Those are the usual suspects. And again, that's fourth line voice podcast, Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box podcast, and the bucket drop podcast. Those are all the ones that are kind of going to be the enforcer slash fight slash tough guy kind of related ones. Um, if you're looking for non-related you know, or non-fight hockey podcast. You know, I know everybody always likes the Spit and Chicklets or the Cam and Strick and John Scott and this and that, but check out some of the mom and pop stuff, I guess you could say. Uh, just little fish in the big pond. So what I definitely recommend is going to check out uh, uh, Shane over at the History of Hockey podcast. He does a great job. I've had him on, and we did a, what do we call it, a swap cast back in the day, kind of going over the, uh, the history of fighting in hockey, kind of when it started and how it's evolved to what it is now but you can go check his stuff out he does an awesome job over there he's got uh he did a episode on danbury and he did which if you know what i'm talking about with danbury it's of course the danbury trashers um he did an episode on them he did i think a three-part special on doug the hammer smith or doug the thug smith who was actually the real life doug glatt and the, who the who that story was based off of um you can go check that out, and he's got a bunch of different stuff, and just cool stuff to listen to if you want to get some knowledge on the game, and, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be something, you, like, I'd, I'll just look at it, I'd have, I'll have no clue what the hell it is, but by the end of the episode, you know, you'd swear you're an expert on it with how in-depth Shane goes, so definitely, definitely go give Shane a follow, um, I think he's on, he's on Instagram and everything, and maybe, is he on Instagram? I don't know, I know he's on Twitter, but, uh, the History of Hockey podcast, look it up, and it's, it's a fantastic podcast, very professional, very well done like Shane sits there takes time to write everything out like uh got like the whole acoustic set up on like my ass where I just throw a microphone up with some bobbleheads and a Joel Terrio picture on the wall there's my acoustics I guess um but yeah so Shane does an awesome job puts in a lot of work so definitely go check Shane's podcast out um you know speaking of social media 
you know, if you want to follow the podcast over at Five for Fighting Pod, spelled out regularly, that's on Instagram. You can go check that out. And if you want to follow it on Twitter, it's at the number five for Fighting Pod. If you want to check it out on Facebook, it is spelled out regularly, like normally spaced and everything, just Five for Fighting Podcast. It's a page. Give it a like. Give it a follow. You'll be up to date on all the podcasts, which whatever, excuse me, whatever platform you're on, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, the podcast will be always up to date, and I'll post everything at the same time on those. So if you're on one more than the other, you don't have to worry. I post the same stuff uh, across the board on the podcast social media platforms. Um and if you want to check out, sorry, the damn headphones, I'm borrowing my fiance's headphones, and I think they're uh, still tightened to her head. I didn't want to, you know, ruin them <laughs> to my giant melon compared to her, so kind of hurt the top of my head here just doing a quick adjustment. Yeah, the, the joys of this cursed episode, here we go, good night, probably going to give me a fucking brain hemorrhage or some, something, I don't know. <laughs> um, ah, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, there we go, sorry, Fit back to Facebook and social media, so... If you want to join a group that's all about hockey fights and forcers and, um, you know, general fight discussion, that's kind of like an old message board. Mess- message board. I feel like I didn't pronounce that right. These ha- these headphones are noise canceling, too, so it's kind of kind of weird. I, I sound like, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, the, like how the parents or adults would talk in the Peanuts gang, where it's like, blah, 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 blah. That's what I kind of sound like right now uh, through these through the headphones. So, um but no, so if you want to go check out, anyway, she's getting off track here, check out the Facebook group. It's called Enforcer Appreciation. It's a group I started, and there's a bunch of former players, a bunch of fight fans in there. It's awesome. And general fight discussions, talking about, you know, the best lefties, who is your favorite fighter. The list goes on, and there's plenty of players in there. Um, lots of former players from different leagues all around, and it's a lot of fun, a lot of interaction there between players and fans. So uh, fights are posted daily, whether it's pictures, uh, like I said, general topics of people discussing or even videos. It's all in there. Uh, and again, that's just enforcer appreciation. Go ahead and give a or send a join request, and you'll be accepted right away as long as there's no jackassery going on. Uh, typically, everybody's, everybody plays nice in there for the most part, <laughs> I guess we'll say. Um, and last but not least, though, uh, the, you know, the one thing I got to plug in is go check out winprobertwasking.com, and that's run by Steve, and uh, you kind of – Right, it's almost like a like a hockey fight blog in a way. I guess that's the that's probably the best way to describe it. To describe, excuse me, is you know a hockey fight blog. So basically, he'll post uh, you know his own little articles, and Steve writes it all and provides evidence of like he did a top ten or was it top twenty five? Yeah, I think it was top twenty five enforcers in NHL history, and writes out his own description of everything, why he chose this guy. Here's the fights, here's the video, and he provides links or like the video feed right there in the article as to why that fight might have bumped him up, that fight might have bumped him down, and this and that. So it's a great, great, great site. Definitely go check that out, and that is, again, winprobertwasking.com. Well, other than that, we will, uh, I guess we'll wrap up this intro here. Hopefully everything sounds good on my end and it doesn't sound choppy. And um, Yeah, so I guess we'll find out, you know, expect the worst, hope for the best, as they say, right? But... Um, you know, if you're just tuning to the podcast for the first time, thanks for listening. And, um, you know, hopefully you're a returning listener. I know, you know, it kind of all depends on the guest as to how many people tune in. But, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Curtis Tidball and you're listening, awesome. If you're a fan of just hockey fights and you happen to be tuning in, that's awesome, too, because I got plenty of episodes from NHLers to minor leaguers like, uh, you know, Curtis. So I get, for NHL, I got, uh, you know, Andre Waugh, Kevin Kaminsky, Chris Nyland, Rob Ray. 
You know, the list goes on and cut guys who have maybe cut, played a couple games up there like Jeremy Yablonski or Frank Bylois. And there's the there's also the more minor league side of things. And you got uh, Peter Zerba, Mark McFarland, Ken Tasker, Dan Tice, John Craighead, uh, Mike DeGurse just had on Craig Stahl. I had a lot of great feedback on that. Um, so the list goes on. So um, definitely go check out the rest of the podcast. And uh, one last thing, if you could do me a huge favor, rate and review the show. It really helps the podcast grow and kind of get out there. And uh, when people type in like hockey podcast on Apple or Spotify or whatever the case is, uh, the more reviews and uh, likes or uh, what's the ratings, reviews and ratings. Yeah, excuse me. Not likes. Jesus, it's too much social media these days, damn it. Um, <laughs> but no, the more ratings and reviews it has, the uh, more likely it is to pop up so we can help the show grow a bit. And actually, after this... I'm going to try to, you know, once I upload the episode, I'm going to try to start setting up the merch store and hopefully start getting that going a little bit here this weekend. Um, I don't think I have too much going on. But anyways, I've rambled on. I always like to keep these under 10 minutes, but I had some splaining to do, I guess you could say. Um, so we got almost 20 minutes here and we got to like, well, I think of almost three hours of content with Curtis coming up. So um, that'll make up for my yapping. So without further ado, sorry for the delay again, but... We will pass it over to Curtis Tidball. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope to see you back listening soon. And if this is your first time, hope you enjoy. Bye, everybody. This should be good. This should be very good. Here today on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a man who managed to rack up 613 career fights, and he is third all-time in the LNAH Penalty Minute leaders, and that is one Mr. Curtis Tidball. Curtis, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, you know, chat with me and bullshit for the night and get some stories out of you. You know, pack a lunch, everybody, because it's a long one for how many years you played in the league. It's a pleasure to do this. Uh, I've been following your uh, your group there. I think it's pretty absolutely amazing to to uh, celebrate uh, guys like me more than, uh, well, we, we don't get celebrated enough, I don't think. No, not at all. That's for sure, <laughs> unfortunately. But luckily, there's about I think we're up to eleven thousand people now. So we got eleven thousand people out there appreciating you at least. That's cool. Like, because uh, nobody really understands how hard that job actually is. And oh no, not at all. It yeah, it really is. It's, you know? I, I'll say, I, you know, it's you can say what you want about other sports, but to me, it's still the hardest job in sports, no matter what league you're in, no matter what level of hockey you're in. If you're an enforcer, man, the the mental and physical stress you put your body through is ridiculous i'm 36 today man and i i got a body of probably 50 <laughs> i don't doubt it well i mean with how many years you spent in the league fighting these I absolute was... animals <laughs> yeah that was the thing you know they're they're animals you're right <laughs> <laughs> they got they got less and less animals as the years went on but uh I think it got less fun as the years went on, too. Well, yeah, it just comes comes with it, I guess, and I think the fans up in uh, the LNH think so as well with <laughs> with how the crowd goes. But, I, you know, I'll say this. Is it what it was in, like, 2005, 06? No, not at all. Of course not. Not even close. But there's still animosity there, and that's why I think I enjoy it still a little bit more than the NHL because there's still kind of that entertainment aspect, and they still, they still let them fight. Like, yeah. hell, just this year they had a bench clear with, uh, I think it was Sorrell and... Oh man, who was it? I know McMorrow plays for them. I can't think uh, of who it was. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, Jean Pierre. 
That's yeah. Sure. They had a bench clearing brawl like this year. And that's like you know that would never even happen in the NHL. And again, I don't need to see a fight every game. I've said that multiple times um, in the podcast before. I don't need to see a fight every game to be entertained, but just some passion. And they still show it in the L and H. Um, so that's why I still enjoy watching it. Actually, everybody looks at it and says it's set up. Well, maybe you know the fights are set up before pretty much. We know who we're fighting, but it, it's not set up. It, it's real. We we do it because it sets a tone. There's an emotion to it. Uh, it's not just fighting, like the majority of people think it is. There's there's a whole backstory to it, you know. We we if we start a fight off the draw, well, right off the the first uh, drop of the puck, and we get a good fight and we win. Well, the momentum is in our corner right there, you know. People right. think of it as just a show. It's, it's a bit more than a show. Right. Of course, everybody played it up a little bit. And, you know, well, I think the momentum is definitely going to swing if your guy wins the fight and you got the train horn going off 800 times in the background, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so before we kind of dive into your, your L&H career, you started playing hockey. At, like, well, I guess we'll start from the beginning. How old were you when you kind of started? You know, you were born in Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah. So did you start off at a super young age, like most Canadians? Well, yeah, my dad, my dad played in the Western Hockey League, so I kind of followed in his footsteps. He uh, he was played in with the Regina Pats and then uh, the Billings Bighorns. So I was on skates fairly early, and uh, hockey since I was a baby was is what I wanted to do. You know, uh, I remember I remember in grade four. Teacher telling me, "Well, Curtis, you can't play hockey forever." I said, "Watch me." Yeah, well, you did you it <laughs> exactly. I did, I, I did it as long as I could. Right. So. Um, well, absolutely, man. So, you know, looking at your stats here, well, you you played in the BCHL and everything like that. But what really kind of yeah. stands out to me is that third, or excuse me, that fourth year you had in the BCHL. Um, well, actually, I take that back. It's your technically your second year, but you had three teams you were on. Um, but you actually oh, yeah. ended up with 45 games played and 280 penalty minutes. You know, what, did the fighting kind of happen that year? Because before, well, you put up 103 pims one year. Um, but what made you kind of take it to that next level? And were you comfortable fighting at that point? Well, it actually started, the fighting kind of started in midget AAA. Gotcha. Okay, in Saskatchewan. Uh, I played for the Saskatoon Contacts. And uh, it kind of started then a little bit. I had a couple fights in there. It was, you know, made a triple-A fight, but it was fun. And then I ended up going to uh, the Kamloops Blazers, because I was drafted by Kamloops Blazers in uh, 99. So I ended up going to camp there, and I, I remember fighting this big, this big dude. I, I can't tell you his name right now, but I remember getting thumped real <laughs> good the first time. Okay, And uh, I was, what, 15 maybe? 15. It was 20. So I asked him in the box again. I said, we go when we get back out. So we went again. Okay. We went back in the box. We went the third time. Because back then you could fight three times in a game. Right, exactly. Which, which was awesome. So I got thumped pretty good, you know, three times in a row. <laughs> I remember I remember my face being swollen as hell after that game. Oh, yeah. But uh, like I said, I started the, the, the fighting kind of started in midget. And uh, slowly got more as I got older because you realize when you fight, everybody's on their feet. When you score a goal, not everybody's on their feet. 
So when you're a young kid and uh, you get that attention and that adrenaline rush and people are, you know, cheering on, that's hard to kind of put to the side. You know what I mean? Right. But, I've actually uh, never thought about it like old. that with, with you saying not everybody's on their feet when they score a goal because, yeah, the opposing, whoever just got scored on, they're not on their feet. But if there's a fight going on, everybody's on their feet. I've actually never thought about everybody's it like that. That's up. awesome. Yeah, everybody's up. Everybody's their, – their attention's focused on just that, you know. Well, even if they're getting popcorn or whatever, they're, they're leaving that there and they're running to see it. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, it's like Don Cherry always says, you know, how many how many people got up and went and get a cup of coffee when the fight was going on, right? Yeah, zero, huh? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I, as, a, as a young kid, putting that kind of spotlight on is it was really, really fun. So once I got into that, you slowly get the, put in the role, right? Yeah. So right. The role, once you get that role, that role doesn't really go away. It's, right. it's like there. the more you, the more you fight too. Well, you fight one time; it's it's one thing. But the more you keep fighting, the more your your name kind of gets brought up around the league. Because well, like at yeah. that point, you know there wasn't really the internet to kind of go around yeah. and show clips. Yeah. But word gets around quick with like you know the seeing the rosters or the, you know everything like that in the lineup, yeah. um, and you kind of get pigeonholed or excuse me pigeonholed a little bit because at that point oh, yeah. you know exactly. they're seeing your penalty minutes. Like, well, we got to go fight him. He's got the most penalty minutes, and then it just keeps adding up. So. You get you get into that role. So you get sucked into it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, I I did I wasn't afraid to you know get punched. That wasn't an issue. So it kind of just snowballed into the point where I figure I might as well make this as good as I can. You know, I know I'm not going to play in the NHL, so let's see what we can do this way. You know? Right. Exactly. Huh. Um, well, so you said you were drafted by uh, by Kamloops. Yeah, Kamloops Blazers, and uh, I was 99. I was uh, 56th overall in the Western Hockey League. So I, I was a, I could play hockey, you know. I wasn't, uh, I was one of the guys who could play that you could put me on the ice and I wouldn't be a threat. But like, like we said, you get pigeonholed, right? Yep. So come by the time I was in the LNH, I looked at my coach and I said. Don't don't play me if you don't plan to play me regularly because I'm not going to get pissed off every time I I'm not on the ice. So I'm all here. I'm going to do the job here, and that's it. You know. <laughs> there you go. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I got my little one here. Oh no worries. Molly. How's it going? I got th- I got three boys, so I'll get into that later with you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole lot going on. I have a dog, and I feel like that's enough sometimes. <laughs> well, my, the boys, the boys, the, the boys, all three of them play hockey, and uh, awesome. it's all you know, they they love it, so it's fun. New oh, what kind of what, well, what kind of skates you get, bud? Here we go. We got Curtis Tidball's son on here. Malik, what kind of skates? Steep skimmer core. Steep skimmer core. Oh, there you go. You ever watch any of your dad's fight tapes? Sometimes. <laughs> Did I catch you watching my fight tape one time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really want them to see uh, a whole bunch of that uh, up until maybe they were a little bit older to kind of understand what it was. Right. Because uh, you know, dad, dad's doing that. I always had to come home and explain to them 
Says, Dad, what's wrong with your eye? Like I didn't face with a puck tonight, boys. Because every Christmas you came home with a black eye. Every Christmas I had a black eye, right? So there wasn't one picture in 10 years where I didn't have a black eye at Christmas time. Right, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, anyway, back to the uh, Kamloops Blazers. Like I was drafted then and uh, the only, my only goal was playing the Western Hockey League as a kid. That's it. Yeah. You know. That was my goal. That was all I wanted to do, but it didn't turn out that way. Ended up going from uh, Kamloops to uh, be picked up by the Saskatoon Blades. So uh, Dean Everson was the coach at that time. And uh, what happened after that? Yeah, I got sent back, sent down to uh, the Saskatoon contacts from Kamloops, and then I ended up getting picked up by uh, uh, Saskatoon Blades. And uh, yeah, we went on from there. Then Junior came. Yeah, I was going to say, how did you, uh, you end up with uh, the Quebec in the uh, QMJHL? Yeah, that's a crazy little story there. I was playing in Burnaby, actually. And uh, I spent the summer there training, getting ready to go to uh, Port Alberni because we were moving that year. And I got a call from uh, a guy named Carl Savard. I know who this guy is. He called me and he asked me, he said, do you want to go to Quebec? I said, no. <laughs> Not really. I'm happy here. Why? What's up? And he said, well, there's the Quebec Ramparts. And I'm like, what the hell is the Quebec Ramparts? You know, I'm a Western Canadian guy. I I don't look out east, you know, and I don't care about out east. So he goes, go check the website. And I checked the website and it says, well, the, they're hosting the Memorial Cup in 2001, 2002. And I, or no, 02, 03. Yeah, I think, 02, 03. Anyhow, we're hosting Memorial Cup. Yep, so it was 0203. Nice. Sorry, I was, I was pulling it up. I have your oh, I had your fight card pulled up. I had to switch over to the hockey DB real quick. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 0203. Yep, yeah, it I was. Think so. Well, anyhow, they're hosting the Memorial Cup, right? So I already I played one time in uh, the uh, Air Canada Cup, the Midget AAA Championship. And uh, being able to play in the Memorial Cup was something that I, I couldn't pass up. I couldn't, I couldn't say no to it. No matter if I had to come out to Quebec to a place where I didn't speak a, a lick of French, man. I, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but the only reason I could play in the LNAH today or when I was playing is because I played with the Quebec Rampart. That's right, though, because the, the, they brought in the import rule, but yeah. you were you didn't count as an import because you played with the, exactly. uh, the Q. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got lucky there. My brother followed me up there too. After he played with the Ramparts for two years. I was gonna, me. I was gonna ask you, man, because I've talked about it with my buddy Darren at Fourth Line Voice, of course. And for those listening, you can go check out his podcast after this one. But um, okay. you know, how could your brother never went to the LNH? We thought, you know, you both of you would be like tailor made for it. Well, Brandon, he uh, he ended up breaking his orbital bone. Oh, against, okay. Uh, in, in the fight against Hans Benson, I don't know if you know him. Yes. Uh, Hans Benson. So, yeah, he ended up breaking his orbital bone then. And after that, kind of played in Salt Lake City. So, after that fight, I think my brother just didn't care to do it anymore. I understand. I don't know why, but me, uh, uh, (laughs) there's no way I would have shut it down after that. (laughs) Well, you sure didn't. That's for sure. (laughs) No. 
But uh, my my son wants to get in on this real bad. He's, hey, no worries. Well, hey, he's the 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 first. Uh, I think that's the first. You know, uh, next of kin we've had on the show before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I think I'll so. There you go. First time Check for everything. Out. Atta boy. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a fight that sticks out to me, and you know, he'd go on to play in the LNH as well, and you'd fought him when you were in the queue, but you fought Ryan Hand. You know, what was it like with him? Well, Ryan Hand was. I don't. I didn't find him to be very tough. I thought he was a bit of a uh, a pretender. Gotcha. You know, man. I don't know. I thought he he tried to play tougher than he actually was. Right. I don't. I don't remember fighting. Like, see, the thing is, I don't remember fighting him back in the queue. Uh fuck. I remember fighting him in the LNAH in my later years. Yeah. And when I was in uh, with the Radio X, but I, I just laid a thumping on him back then. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, I know he jumped. He jumped off the deep end. Well, like right away in the LNH because I think his first fight was against Morasti if I remember if I'm remembering that fight oh, yeah. card correctly yeah he dove right in and fought Morasti right off the bat Morasti's one of my favorites so excuse me if oh, my no, lips no, are no. pressed to his ass the entire podcast <laughs> <laughs> no that's, uh, that's all right man uh John is a he's a tough guy he's a tough he's a tough dude man uh nothing to say bad about that guy he's from he's a Saskatchewan boy uh being from Saskatchewan, I got nothing bad to say about anybody from there. <laughs> there you so, go. And then, and well, you know, I feel like there's always them. something in the water out there in Saskatchewan, man, because they're always just tough, tough yeah. dudes from Saskatchewan. Like Tony Twist, Darren Campbell, Yablonski, yourself, yeah. Morasti. The list goes on, man. It's crazy. I don't know. I think we're just uh, – we're. I don't know what it is either. Like we're just tougher. I think we are brought up tougher. I think it's a different mentality in Saskatchewan, maybe than anywhere else. I think that's what it is. I don't know why. Right? Maybe we have an attitude because maybe I don't know. But uh, Saskatchewan produce a lot of tough players, a oh. lot of tough boys. Absolutely, and that's and a lot of the times you only hear about the guys who made it into the NHL. Just not even that's not even including the guys in the AHL. ECHL, LNH, yeah. with how many Saskatchewan boys that are tough as nails yeah. that are out there. Yeah, like, yeah, me, I'm proud to say I'm from Saskatchewan. I'll tell you, I'm very proud to say I'm from Saskatchewan. I grew up there. Uh, I'm proud to call myself one of those guys, those tough guys from Saskatchewan. You know, because such a, a big list of legit tough guys. Right. Oh, yeah, we're with pride, man. No reason to be ashamed of it at all. Um, yeah, exactly. So, you know, another guy you fought in the Gore, again, it's it's funny kind of seeing, uh, you know, some of the Q, like the guys you fought in the Q, and they actually end up in the LNH as well. But I, I, stink, I still think he holds the record for the most penalty minutes in a season in the Q, but that's Marc-Andre Waugh. Yeah, uh, 600 and some, 637. It's 600-something. I'd have to double-check it, but it's uh, I know it's up there. It's crazy. But see that back then there, where what he would do is he would fight once, do something stupid, get a ten. Okay, so that's fifteen minutes right there. He'd fight again, and automatically you get five and ten for getting kicked out. So that's thirty. So minutes right a there, game. you got right there, you got thirty pims right there every game. So you know uh, the majority of those were ten minute misconducts and stupid. You know they weren't five minute penalties all the time. 
Right. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard. I've you, you know, I I don't say anything because I'm you know just a couch jockey who watches hockey fights. But I've heard mixed reviews on Mark Andre Wall. <laughs> I don't know. I've really anything good to say about him. I don't know him very well. I can't say anything bad about him. Uh, so. No, it I, is what I it can't is. really say anything. Well, how, do you remember fighting him at all? How'd the fight go? Well, he was a big monkey back then, man, you know? He was a big, juiced-up boy back then. <laughs> During that time, you know, back in those times, it was, uh, everybody was on the sauce. Oh, 100%. Well, especially once you get to the LNH, I mean, it's like, if you're not doing it, you're weird. <laughs> exactly. If you don't do it, then you, you might as well go home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, um, he he was a tough guy in junior. He was a legit tough guy. He was a bit, you know, he was tough. I can't take that away from him. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Well, guy, I, mean, I feel like you got to be a little bit tough if you're putting up six hundred pims. Yeah, you know uh, how smart he is. I don't know, but uh, he he was in Allen H for a bit, but I don't know how long he lasted. <sighs> I know he was there for a little bit, and then he actually went away for a few years and then came back for, like, a season, but I don't even think it was a full season or something like that. But, yeah, yeah, I know he played there for a bit. Um, I want to say he might have actually been on uh, Tetford with uh, ProLab, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe I think it was the year that I left to go to Elmira. Could have been. I was at the ProLab in 05, and then I left to go to Elmira. In uh, 06, which I thought was just a hell of a time there. We had a blast. <laughs> uh, well, you know, speaking of that, you know, getting into the pro side of things here. Um, so, well, I, on Hockey DB, it doesn't kind of do it chrono, uh, in chronological order. So I, I see here that in 0405, you played for both Flint and Laval. Did you play in, in Flint first and then Laval? No, I went to Laval first. I got to tell you, okay, listen to this. I went to Laval. My first fight was at the Bell Center. Okay. Oh, nice. And my first fight was with Steve Bosse. Steve <laughs> Bosse at this time was the guy, he was the number three. Okay. The number three. They said, Curtis, you take him. He's the number three. Okay. Because, you know, we have number one, number two. Right. So he three, went, he, pre- what, was he with, with uh, Verdun at that time? Yeah. That was the, the game we played against Verdun. Gotcha. Because we played. We played at the Bell Center, and after that game, after the first shift took 25 minutes to play, and at this point, I was 21, and I still wanted to play hockey, man. I didn't want to be part of that. I still had that passion to keep going and, and want to play hockey. And when I saw that, I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> I am out now. I was going to say so what, your, what your initial reaction was to it when you see everything going on. Well, for me, the first, you know, they, they offered me money. And at that time, at 21 years old, I said, okay, you know, I, I got to come check it out. But when I got there and saw it, I was 21 years old. And I looked at them and I said, are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you serious? <laughs> so I, I took off and I ended up going to Flint. So Flint was fun. I had Robbie Nichols, same guy I had in Elmira. But uh, oh, Flint was fun. Yeah, so unfortunately, I don't have, I don't ever have any, um, like, typically the UHL fight cards are kind of hard to come by with drop your gloves being gone. Um, yeah. But I know for a fact when you were in Flint, I don't know if it was your first year or the second year, but of course, you know, I have the tattoo of it on my forearm. Was that your first meeting with John Morasti when he was with Danbury? Yes, it was. 
And what was it it like playing Danbury? Because that team was ridiculous. It was it was tough because well, I had like guys like I had Chris Waltz on my team. He ended up yep. coaching and uh, Chris listens he, to the show, he, so I know he'll probably be hearing that too. I was about to ask you about him. Uh, I love Waltz. I love uh, he's an awesome guy, man. Uh, one guy I'm gonna remember for a while. Uh, he was cool. Wife was cool. He's a good. He's a good guy. Really good. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Danbury was something else. I'll tell you. <laughs> Hey, my son, my middle son, Malik, has got a question for you. What's that, man? Was it the year that you partied with Kid Rock? <laughs> Did you party with Kid Rock? Well, we got invited to his house after. It's true. After we played Motor City. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing it up, Malik. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, um, you know, well, I'll leave that at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we'll say about that part with the party with Kid Rock. I can only imagine early 2000s just getting after it with Kid Rock. Good night. Um, because there was Chelios and Hatcher. And, you know, oh, yeah, that's right, though, because it was the lockout year, and they were just wheeling yeah. players in there. Oh, yeah, man. That was that was cool. It was a lot of fun. I'm going to tell you, playing against those guys, not being able to play uh, NHL and stuff like that, being able to play against like Chris Chelios and Darren Hatcher, and, hey, that, was, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, going into that fight with Morasti, though, did you have any idea kind of, you know, who he was well, at the I know, time? I know John because John played in, uh, he was in PA, I think, Prince Albert, in Western League. Yes, he was. Did he not? Yeah, he he played for the so, Prince. Yeah, he played there for at least, at least a season. I know that much. He played for the Raiders. So yep. I knew I knew John through hockey already. Uh, I don't think we'd fought at that point yet. But... Uh, uh, I know he was tough. He was always tough. Yeah, he, he's got a head like a, I don't know. It's a, he's got a head like a rock, man. Yeah, fuck. He, he can, can take him and he can he give him. Yeah, you can hit him and hit him like uh, he smiles. Right, he smile. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he just does, man. What do you want to do? Yeah, what do you want to do? He's just one of those guys. He's, he's tough. That's it. Oh yeah, the he's like the ultimate showman of enforcers. And I just posted yeah. the video the other day where it was um it was him and Dubé and they're sitting there they're yeah. fighting and they're fighting and then they just stop and both of them and of course this is in the LNH um when I think Dubé yeah Dubé was with Quebec and John was with Sorel. I think yeah. it was maybe John's second year with Sorel. And they're fighting, and then they both just stop, and they're sitting there, like, waving up like this at the crowd, like, mid-fight. And I'm like, that's just fucking awesome. Like, you you wouldn't see that anywhere else, man. And from nobody else either, because only Morasti or Dubé would be the guys to do that. No, I know. it's uh, You don't see that everywhere. That's for sure. Not at all. That's the LNH thing. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Um, that That tattoo you got, I think, is absolutely sick. I'm a, I'm a big fan of tattoos. I got my first tattoo at 12. And my second at, at 14. Tw- at 12? At 12, man. I got a maple leaf with two hockey sticks on my back. My second one was a Team Canada logo. It's because when he was 12, he had a beard. Malay, you want to go upstairs now? <laughs> I actually have a... I, I have a couple of fights on me, actually. So I got this one, which, of course, is, you know, you and, you and Morasti fighting in Danbury. Yeah. And I got, That's sick. I got Chris Nyland fighting Tiger Williams there on my forearm. Hey, man. 
That's cool. And then, um, That's fuck, what really else? Cool. I got on my on my chest here. I got Bugard uh, squaring off with Shelly, and then I got Brian McGratton up here. Ah, uh, there, Bugard is a guy I knew uh, from Regina. I was about to say you might since you might have known him in the uh, in the dub because I think he played Not- at the same time as you did. Yeah, he uh, we grew up together too in Regina, and he was always a big, tough mother. You know, he, he was oh, yeah. tough as nuts. He was definitely one of those guys that grew, he grew into the role a lot too, because when, when junior he was kind of just fighting out there because he was the biggest dude. But once he kind of got his legs under him and good at it, oh, he got he good got, at it. He got really fucking good at it, like scary good. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, it's too bad what happened to the guy because uh, he uh, he was he was a really really nice guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, and for those out there listening, if you've ever checked out his, uh, there's a book on him called The Boy. I think it's Boy on Ice is what it's called. I definitely recommend reading it. I've read it. Uh, fuck, I, I think I read on the airplane going to some training op for like forever ago. Um, but, you know, so, you know, moving on a bit here. So, you, like I said, I wish I could have your damn UHL fight card because that would be awesome. They never have any of the UHL stuff on HockeyFights.com. I don't know why, but they don't. Um, but you know, you, so you actually end up with, uh, with Tetford and the LNH and you, you went back to that league. What made you go back, man? Cause at first you, you know, wanted the hell out of Dodge when you were with Laval. It was straight up money. No, that, that was, that'll it. do it. That was it. Uh, I, I didn't want to play there. I didn't, but, uh, I played in the UHL and you made nothing. So when, 22 years old when they throw a $50,000 guaranteed contract at you, you go from what, 250 bucks a week to, you know, four or five times what you were making. Right. At 22 years old, uh, I couldn't say no to it. You know, that's uh, what I always tell people that sometimes when people like, you, you know, you always see on the internet, people give uh players shit. Oh, they played in the LNH, the, the, the dummy or the goon league or whatever. Yeah. Well, if you're going to be doing, like, so you're fighting these other guys, you know, in the LNH, fine. You're going to be fighting in the, like you said, the UHL, but making way less money. Why not make actual good, decent paycheck for it in the LNH? Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to be doing the same thing in the other leagues. Exactly. Exactly. I figure, you know, uh, I might as well make money while I can doing it, while, you know, while it's possible. Because that was what I want to do is play hockey and make money. So... Exactly. You know, I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing in NHL, so I got to find a figure. If they're, they're going to pay a decent salary and pay for everything else, why not? Why yeah. not do it? Why not give her shit and go give it a try? For sure. Um, before we get to your fight card here, because well, Corey, you had forty-seven fights that year. Good night. Um, you know, I got to yeah. I got to ask you a couple about a couple teammates. Uh, one was just re- one of the uh, the recent guests I had on the podcast, and that's Jason Rushton. You remember? Uh, you remember playing with him? Yeah, I remember Jason. <laughs> what was it like playing with him? Huh? What was it like playing with him? Oh, I don't know what to say. Me, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. Uh, <laughs> Jason, Jason. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> he, he's, he's Jason Rushton. That's it. He's a nice guy and all, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We had a we had a tough team. We had a tough team. Yeah, Jason Clark, Jason Rushton, Benoit Bolsonaro. He was just a punching bag with a hard head. Yeah, I was gonna but, say this might have been the toughest team Tetford had when, as far as 
the pro lab goes because I know they were always known as maybe not having the toughest teams in the LNH at the time, but I think this was probably about as tough as it got for them. Yeah. Which it's funny because. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, because the Tedford was never recognized as the tough team. Right. And finally, and finally in 2014, it was me, Belmar, uh, Terrio, who else there? Hand maybe, and we had a had a fucking tough team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Thomas Belmar is one tough boy too. That uh, that kid can throw bombs. He he's a legitimate tough kid. Okay, well he's not a kid anymore. He's thirty six. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but uh, it's it's he, funny because like. You know, on a normal in a normal hockey world, the team you guys had, you know, you had yourself, Rushton, Jason Clark, Mark Andre Waugh still played there that year. Yeah. That would be like more than enough toughness, but in the LNH it's like that wasn't It was bottom of the pack. Yeah, it was bottom of the barrel there. Yeah, man. So, you know, when you when you go out you knowing who you're gonna fight and you're just like, oh man, not tonight. When I was younger, but uh, as I got more into it, uh, it was it was easier to, to go to the rink and be like, all right, you know, who's gonna go now tonight? Who I'm fighting tonight? But when I first got into the league, it was like, oh shit, what the fuck? <laughs> right, like what the fuck did I get myself into? Like holy shit. Yeah, exactly. But then I said, you know, it's better doing this than than making nothing doing the same thing like you said exactly um you know and going through your your fight card here you know the first name that sticks out to me and brought him up earlier and he fought, uh, in the fight with Morasti, but is uh jacques dubé do you remember fighting him well i'm sure you fought him many times I do. but uh, i do i did fight him i fought him uh in my first year so i was in tedford yep. okay so i was a little bit i was a little bit new when it comes to that he'd been doing this year uh you know his boxer and all that shit but uh <laughs> strip club yeah, bouncer. It's, it's hard to, to look at those guys and say they're a legit hockey tough guy or a legit enforcer. You know, you know what I mean? No, I get what you're saying. Well, because I mean, if we're being honest, it would call a square a square. I mean, Dubé was like bouncing at a strip club and ends up getting exactly. thrown on some skates. So yeah, I get where you're coming from. Nothing, not, not you know, so, again, not taking anything against him or taking it, anything away from him or holding it against him. No, that, that's what happened because he still exactly. showed up for sure. But no, I understand what you're it, saying. But I, I fought him my first year. I think he gave me a good something too. Again, in oh, oh, I believe in oh nine, I gave it right back to him. <laughs> so we ended up playing together in oh oh eight, oh seven, oh eight, I think. Yeah, with uh, Radio X. Yeah, so uh, he was slow. He was slowly going down, and I was finally coming up. Uh, after that, he kind of just disappeared. Yeah, he kind of did after oh. that. It's, you didn't really hear anything yeah. from him again. Um, another name that comes up here, and he was actually the I think, did he? I want to say he did win it all. I can't remember if it was him or McMorrow, but he won the Ice Warriors tournament that happened over in was Europe. Not Dean Mayrand. No, no, that was the black and blue one. That was the one that was in um, Prince George. Okay, that one. That one. No, this one happened actually in 2011. And oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 not well known. I didn't know about it until I think I think it was Fourth Line Voice had mentioned it or somebody brought it up on his podcast. But yeah, I'd have, I'll send you the link after we're done with the interview. But it was yeah. done over in Europe, and they had 
at the time they had Swanson, McMorrow, and Parker, and that's who I was going to ask you about was Derek Parker. Derek Parker. I, believe, I want to say another, he won the whole thing, but yeah, you, what was it like with him, man? Derek Parker, another Saskatchewan boy. Another guy growing up again, playing minor hockey against him too. Uh, me and Derek never really liked each other, honestly. But uh, it was tough. He had a little. He had a uh, weird technique to fight. He he always spun around and stuff. So it was it wasn't easy to fight with him. But he didn't have any power behind anything. He's just really hard to hit, and when you hit him. Didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Um, yeah, he actually ended up winning that tournament. I'm almost positive it was him now. It was, like I said, it was either him or yeah, McMorrow. Right. Um, You're right. It was Parker. I remember that. But, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of cool. I love how, like, it's always the L&H guys that come in and take the title, you know, like old Mayrand over there in the black <laughs> and blue. And I know Dean listens to the show, too, so we're about done pumping his damn tires. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know what just brought him up again too with the the tournament and another guy you fought that year god damn like just just scroll through this fight card just your first year alone like there's 47 fights like my finger's gonna go fucking numb scrolling through this goddamn page um <laughs> but you also fought curtis swanson man and i've had him on the show for i did, actually did an lnh special um a I while did. back and i had him on but yeah what was it like fighting fighting swanee Oh, uh, he, I remember fighting him. It was, he, 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 he would put his weight on you. You know, he would just come in close and, uh, he wasn't my fight. You know, my fight was a boss a or a Danic Lassard. Those, those, those guys were more my, uh, the wide open, just go at it. Exactly. Yeah. No, uh, put, put on a show, no defense, whoever hits who goes down, you know, like that me i wasn't a big grappler kind of guy uh and then what's the swanson was more i think uh getting close and not an open toe-to-toe type of fighter right well swanee so, swanee mentioned it it's because his balance was so shitty he's like i my balance just sucks so it's what i it's how i had to hang on to guys sometimes because uh and i give swanson nothing but props man because he came in 70 something fights in a year you know, and he's like yeah. eight. I think you came into the league at nineteen or twenty, something. You know, ridiculously young, even like yourself when you went with Laval. But he comes in there and just seventy something fights in a season is insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a lot. That's a lot for sure, man. But uh, you got to give anybody credit for that. Whoever does that, uh, he, he's tough. Simple. Oh, absolutely. And you know, well, I think we brought him up before before the podcast got going, maybe, or maybe it was during. Um, was that your teeth you just put in? No, that's my uh, my chew. Oh yeah, I'm about to put a chew in too. For uh, I was looking at the DB stats real quick, and I looked back. I was like, "Oh, you put your fucking teeth in?" <laughs> yeah, what, uh, oh yeah, I, I got my Scott yeah. boy back in the chew. Yeah, I got fucking big old tub of Stokers here, so I'll be diving okay. into that in a second. I'll be I'll be I'll be getting my stuff from uh, Sweden. Is, oh, is that one of those pouches where it's like the strongest fucking tobacco thing I've yeah. seen before? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's fucking yeah, from Chernobyl. You with like the writing on it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Sweden. Yeah, nice. Is it like it's, a uh, it's like a snus pouch, like the camel, like the camel snus pouches? It's, 
Yeah, it's a pouch, but man, it will knock yeah, you on your ass. Pack a punch. That's why, I th- like I said, I think I know that can from like some YouTube video. Or I think a buddy in the Marines had it, and he like threw like three in and about passed out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And no, no, it's uh, me growing up in Saskatchewan. Chewing was chewing. You know, everybody chewed. Oh yeah, so just kind of, you know. Oh, I didn't. I didn't chew a day in my life until I. I think I. I smoked cigarettes a little bit, but like even then, it wasn't really. More so just a pastime when I was doing mm-hmm. landscaping. And as soon as I got into the Marine Corps, oh, God, chewing just was like second nature. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but, oh, well, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, as I was saying, man, so a, a guy, I th- like I said, I can't remember if we brought him up before the podcast or, you know, at the very beginning here, but um, Roger Maxwell, and you fought him a couple times this year. But yeah. what was it like fighting him, man? I mean, he's fucking huge. Max is a big boy, so going into it, you're looking at him and you're going, oh, Jesus, how do I come in? Because he's got such a long reach, and he's so damn heavy, you know? So you just try and try and hit him. That's it. That's all I did do, try and hit him, because I had to get inside on that guy. Otherwise, forget it. You string me out, uh, I'm going to have some trouble. Right. And so, you know, at, but, uh, at this point, man, you know, you're – a few fights into the LNH, are you starting to get a little bit more comfortable with the role kind of, and kind of how the league is? You know what? It took me, oh, 2005. I don't even think at the end of the year I was comfortable. I don't I don't think by the end of the year I was that comfortable yet. Really? Because it was, yeah, I have 40 fights, oh, maybe towards the end, maybe towards playoffs and stuff. Yeah. It was getting a bit more comfortable, but, uh, the most comfortable I was in the LNH was when I finished in uh, Elmira and came back. That's when I was the, I felt the best. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't know why, but uh, it was tough getting used to the fucking LNH run. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, disgusting fucking cat. <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're good man no worries um well yeah the lnh it's just like well like you said before too everybody's fucking juiced up and you know i'm sure their their pre-workout wasn't exactly uh over-the-counter supplements yeah <laughs> right no. so i mean it's just it's insane man and you're you're I guess technically this would be your rookie year because you only played two games with Laval. So, I mean, this is, and you're seeing this whole thing unfold in front of you. So it's gotta be just a wild sight. And, you know, I'm probably with you. Well, one, I don't think I ever could have been fucking comfortable fighting those just mutants that were in that league, but (laughs) yeah, probably take you a minute. So big, man. Every, uh, that, that year, everybody was so big. It was. Oh yeah. Well, the next next guy I was going to ask you about was, yeah. Next guy I'm going to ask you about was Dean Mayrand and how big is he? Fuck, and he's still huge yeah, today too. He's he's doing boxing and he's still Jack Diesel. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, yeah, he's a big boy. Guys like that, guys, uh, uh, Patrick Cote, and uh, they were big boys, man. Oh really? yeah, Cote with like <laughs> the uh, the whey protein and chicken diet over there for um, you know weighing in at like two seventy. <laughs> yeah. I always love yeah, that picture of him and fucking Ryan Pisiak on the bench in the pregame brawl, oh, and they're bo- it looks like some shit straight out of WWE. <laughs> I remember Pisiak. He was my roommate for one night in Laval. After I said I'm out of here, <laughs> that didn't help. Him being my roommate didn't help. You know, I haven't gotten to it yet, but just in case he did, it'll bring him up now while I while it's fresh in my brain here. But did you ever fight uh, Pat Cote? No. 
I didn't. Never did. He was. Uh, I, I never did. I didn't. I think he was more. Uh, at this time, I was more uh, a number. They were going number three. They had gotcha. Rushton, Clark, Beausoleil. So being me, twenty-one at that time, I didn't have to really fight those big guys. Yeah, I, 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 I would have if I had to, but you know, I, I preferred to fight those guys. Right. Well, I mean, I understand. <laughs> um, you, know. you know, so I actually was able to pull up a little bit of your Elmira fight card here. And one name that really sticks out to me, though, and of course he went on to play in the show and absolute huge fucking human being, but you fought Steve McIntyre. What was it like yes, fighting uh, Big Mac, man? I remember that, man. I remember beaking him all the game. I, I was calling you little you little shit, let's go. And uh, he says, don't worry, we'll go, we'll go. So I waited around, I waited, waited, and finally we got to go. I want to fight him because he's a big boy, you know? Yeah, right. At this point, I, I was... I was feeling good. I figure I'm going to go grab him. I'm going to try and spin around. I'm going to try and do what I can. I'm just going to get in there, grab his shirt, and try and throw some bombs. That's it. Right. Well, it's funny because he was actually playing for Quad City at the time, too, and that's the team I kind of grew up watching. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so Quad City was awesome. But, um, yeah, it's cool that you got to – I think it's funny, too. McIntyre actually played in the QSPHL before it became the LNH. He played for, I think it was Sorrell. Um, oh yeah, that was when they were stacked. They had Kevin Holiday, um, Danik Lassard, was it Ronnie Valenti, okay. shit like that. And you just these, like I think that was when Link Gates was still rolling around in the league too. So, yeah, but yeah, Mac yeah. actually played there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, he's a, he was a big boy. Me, I was happy I got to fight him. Uh, it was fun. I was cool. I thought you know he's a big, he's a big dude. No, he's a huge dude. Um, yeah. Well, you know, so going on with this fight card here, you also fought Chad Wilcox a, pl- a plethora of times that year as well. What was it like fighting him, man? Chad Wilcox. Well, Chad Wilcox was just uh, he played. I played with him in Tedford, I think, my first year. Yeah, I played with him in my first year in uh, Tedford, and I didn't. I didn't realize I fought Chad Wilcox. I don't even remember. This has you down fighting him three times in oh, yeah? the same. Yeah, it has has you down as three times in the same game. <laughs> really? Yeah. Elmira in, in what versus year? Flint. Uh, this is two, 06 to 07. Chad Wilcox. Yeah, it got, it's got you fighting him. Oh yeah. I remember he played in Denver. I thought. Well, when you have six hundred thirteen fights in your career, I mean he. Can't remember all of them. Fuck. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. Uh, Chad Wilcox. Yeah, he's he's an American kid, isn't he? I believe so. I think he's from Las Vegas. From what I understand, I think if it's the same one we're talking about. But uh, uh, I, I remember playing with a Chad Wilcox. I don't remember fighting one though. Yeah, I, mean, I think it would have been. Because yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm looking at it. And, yeah, he was your teammate. But it shows him on yeah. the Flint Generals as well. That same that same year, oh six oh seven. So I don't know. Oh yeah, oh, crazy. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> no worries. It's like like, like you said, uh, uh, six hundred and some fights are. It's kind of difficult to remember all of them. Oh yeah, not not holding anything against you there. Um, no. <laughs> so the next year you're with uh, well, let's see, this is oh seven oh eight. So at this point, man, you're with Quebec Radio X. 
What was it like playing with that team? Because they were they were one of the teams that were starting to get stacked pretty quick too in that league. We were we had fun. I had fun. A lot of fun that year. Really, really a lot of fun. I think I had sixty seven fights that year. You had yeah. you had forty nine that year. Well, that's just the regular season. Yeah, regular season and then playoffs. Yeah, it ended had- up to be sixty seven in preseason and playoff. Something like that. But uh, they were paying, you know, fight bonuses and stuff. So guys were fighting. It was fun. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> fight we had, bonuses. We, yeah. They, were, they pay guys a $100 bonus each fight. But, yeah, there you go. You know what? Well, you know what? Why not? From what I heard, too, the owners used to have, like, pissing matches on the radio. Like, basically, my tough guys will beat up your tough guys. And it would be like a, a big challenge. And so it would basically be like meet at the parking lot at three o'clock or whatever. And it would just be absolute <laughs> gong shows from what I've heard. <laughs> I don't know, because I never really followed the radio in the newspaper very much because uh, I didn't really understand a whole shit ton of what they were mm-hmm. talking about. Because, you know, at 21, 22 years old, I didn't really care about trying to speak French. I didn't need to bother with it. Uh, I was never going to stay here. You know, but I ended up here. <laughs> kind of had to learn the language hey it's all good <laughs> i yeah. know i think i well even when i went up there to visit uh up in quebec in montreal i think i maybe know just like mercy and that's that's about as far as my french goes <laughs> or any french i know it might be like just some just some of the towns from the lnh like any any city that a team was in <laughs> that's about as far as my <laughs> french goes um oh, Let's see here. Right, Another guy you fought was Brad Wingfeld. And it, did, did you have any run-ins with him in Danbury, actually, when you were with uh, Flint? Uh, I don't think I did, no. No, I don't I don't think so. I'm not sure. Because I know he went but to like, the LNH yeah. for a couple, I think maybe either just one season or two. Um, but, yeah, fucking Wingfeld, he was a tough motherfucker, too. Yeah, he, he was a big boy. He was a big, <laughs> he was a big boy. He was tough as nuts. He's uh, actually, he is uh, running a hockey school with uh, uh, my buddy Chris Shaw and um, his buddy Ryan Holwig. So they got Ryan Holwig, Chris Shaw, and Brad Wingfield. Right on. uh, So those three guys are working up uh, in New Angle Hockey. They're in, uh, what is it, Port Moody, I believe, uh, in British Columbia. So, uh, yeah. Chris Shaw guy, he runs it with them. He's one of my best friends from from uh, when I played in Burnaby, you know, twenty years, just twenty years ago. It's uh, it's kind of cool. I'll have to I'll have to send you the link after this. I think he re released it, but uh, Darren at Fourth Line Voice, he has an episode with Brad Wingfield, and it's like, well, one, it's like rare because I mean, Wingfield's like off the grid completely as far as like social media presence and everything goes, like that. So it's kind of cool to hear about Wingfield, but his Danbury stories, unfucking believable. The shit. That, oh yeah. Like, oh man, like apparently from what what Wingfield was saying, the trainer at the time would have like a flip phone on the bench because this is like oh five, oh six ish. Trainer would have like a flip <laughs> yeah. phone at the on the bench, and then the the owners looking up the glance, you know. uh 
AJ and uh, his dad over there, the you know the quote unquote mobsters of the team. They would sit there and watch the other team, and then they would call down to the bench, and the trainer would hand the phone to Wingfield. And apparently, the first time Wingfield's like, "What the fuck are you doing, handing me a phone? Like, who the fuck's calling me?" He's like, "Oh, it's it's the owner," and he'd be like, "Hey, go take out number so and so." He's like fucking putting hits on the players mid game in Danbury. Right. <laughs> Unfucking real. Yeah. And for those listening, I definitely recommend going to check out the Brad Wingfield episode with my buddy Darren. A fucking awesome episode. Um, I will, I will, I will listen to that. That's for sure. Oh yeah, it's just fucking absolute riot. Um, and you know another t- another tough dude you fought this year. And I think we again, I can't remember if we talked about it. We've already, we've already talked about so many damn guys. Jesus Christ, you fought them all in like your first two seasons. Jesus, this is unreal. Um. <laughs> But I, so again, I can't remember if we started talking about it before the podcast or uh, after we got going a little bit. But as Brandon Sugar Sugden, you fought him twice yeah. uh, in the, it looks like the same game. What was it like fighting Sugar? I think I fought him a lot. We but we would talk in our fights, huh? Oh, really? So we would get we would get close together and we would be ready. Okay, ready? Open up. Let's go. So we would both let go and we would both start throwing. Right. And uh, we stop and we talk again quickly. Nah, he was a he was a good guy, man. He was a really good guy. I think Fight, fighting him was fun, and he was a legit tough guy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And from what I what, what I've heard with uh, with Sugden is, um, you know, when he was in the AHL, he might not have been quite at the top, but there was about a season and a half to two seasons, um, according to Mike Segroy, who I'd interviewed, that Sugden was like untouchable. Like you couldn't beat him, and he was like king of the mountain in the AHL. And that's that was like when it was at its peak too. I want to say that was like kind of like. A, the lockout ish or like right after. So, I mean, something was rolling people. No, he's a, he was a good, really technical fighter. Uh, big. I don't know. He, he was, he was big, but he wasn't huge. Like fucking, uh, Wingfield and Mayran and those guys. You know? Yeah. He was a big boy, but he wasn't, uh, as big. Yeah. It's funny. I just scrolled down a little bit in there. I see you fought him twice again in one, in one game. <laughs> I think I fought him all together. I think I maybe fought him eight times that year with uh, in with the Radio X. Yeah, he yeah. was with Radio X at the time. Yeah, and then in the, the year after, I fought him a few more times than when I was in Palm Rouge. So I, I think we fought a lot, me and him. Good but, night. You know, um, he, he, was, uh, he was honest, and which is kind of hard to find sometimes, an honest fighter. Um. But I got all the respect in the world for that guy. Absolutely, man. Um, and you know, another guy we brought him up before, and I can't. I think he was the runner-up to Derek Parker, but you fought him. And I know some people don't necessarily like his fighting style sometimes, but you fought the sheriff, Sean McMorrow. What was it like fighting him, man? Boring. <laughs> there it is. I like. I, I love Mac. You know, I, I I think I could call him my friend. I would give him a call. When I got his phone number and stuff. But uh, he's it was a dull fight, to be honest with you. It was Sean was a grab you, throw a couple punches to the side of your head, pull your jersey over, try and hit you again, then the refs come in. Right, and it's funny so, because w- with him, it's like sometimes you look at his fights and he kind of grapples a lot, and then other fights he's going wide open. So I don't know. It's like you catch McMorrow on the right day and he'll go toe-to-toe or catch him on the wrong day and he'll kind of, you know, grapple a little bit. But, you know, he still holds the record in all of hockey for the most fights in a single season, which I want to say was like 83, I think. Oh, yeah. 
So he's, well, because at one point he called me up and he said, I'm going to beat your record. I said, you're not touching my record. Don't <laughs> even think about it. Because <laughs> uh, when I left, when I left, I was the player with the most fights at that time. I don't know if uh, I still have it, but uh, in 2015, I was uh, had the most fights than anybody playing. You talk, wait, so like most fights of all time, like in hockey history? Well, while wow, like playing pe- people who were playing, players. Oh, okay. At that time, when I finished at six thirteen, there was uh, I was leading for uh, players who were still playing. I was going to say, man, because six thirteen, you're really close to Mike. Uh, Mike, well, excuse me if I say it in the American way, like Brawlter in the French pronunciation, Mike Bro. But you know, yeah. you, you got to be really. I, I can't. I'm trying to think off the top of my head how many he has. I know he has six hundred something, but you got to be damn close to him if you're not as for the most fights of all time. Yeah, I think I'm up there or close to him. I remember he's maybe six something, six forty nine, maybe. God, that's fucking insane kind of, to think about. You know, like like I said about that, that uh, he wasn't a hockey player. He was a boxer who who got on skates. You know, he didn't grow up playing hockey. He didn't grow up there with that mentality, that lifestyle. You know what I mean? The the lifestyle of a hockey player, the mentality of a hockey player, the way we think, the way we are. He grew right. up more as a boxer, you know. So, I don't know how to, to say that. I was asked this question before. What is it like fighting guys from different sports, like MMA guys or boxing guys or guys off the street? When I, you know, I, I didn't know how to answer that at the time. I didn't. Today, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I think uh, bringing guys off the street to do that job, uh couldn't call them legit hockey enforcers you know right. what i mean no i get it the so fighting those guys was just like fighting it was fighting it wasn't hockey fighting. right it's it more so fighting. a hockey fighter as opposed to a hockey enforcer exactly right Big no difference. i get what you're saying yeah so those guys were hockey fighters the enforcers were more uh guys who did a job that i think played a role on the team more than just a hockey fighter. Right. You know? Yeah, I get what you're saying. And you well, speaking of enforcers, here's one for you that you fought. This was the next year when you were with uh it was uh Pont Rouge and yeah. you fought Joel the Animal Terrio. What was it like fighting yeah. him, man? Well, I, I gotta tell you, me I was nervous as nervous as fuck before the fight, okay? I find out the the year after because the next year I played with him. They told me Man, I was so nervous before the fight. And I'm going, dude, I was just as nervous as you. <laughs> I was freaking out. I was losing it. But, you know, I just got, I just came off the fight with Bossy. And uh, that one was good. So I, I was feeling good going against him. Going the up. one with Bossy, was that the one when he was with 93 point whatever, like FM? Yeah. That's a yeah, good one. I, I, I posted that video and I tried posted it as like this might be one of the best hockey fights you'll ever see it's yeah, i think it's for me that's up there with uh with fucking tasker and send that's a fucking beauty but see that that fight was fun you know that was that was that, fun. that was that was fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was fun just going toe-to-toe like that fucking hey you got more balls you know, than he, i do he's tough he's fucking he's tough man really oh, absolutely he, he's tough as simple as that and uh <laughs> Standing in there and leaving him with a broken nose after that fight, which, you know, felt good. Yeah. 
And I love it too because you you know you you seem like at that point you're kind of embracing I guess like the uh, the spirit decor of, of like the LNH and you're kind of pumping up the crowd and putting on a show a bit afterwards and you know living it up which I mean yeah. I, I know some people don't necessarily like that and yeah whatever fuck no, off but me you know it's part of the the league the LNH oh yeah it's absolutely I love it that's it that's it and you know. Uh, everybody got their own opinion of uh, hockey fight, hockey fighters, and how it should be and whatever. But here it was a show. That's it. People come to watch us. We give a show. Simple as that. You know, there's no disrespect to the other guy or anything like that. It's just a, just a show. Right. No, definitely, absolutely. Um, so, and, well, sorry to cut you off there for a second, but you know, so what were you saying about Terrio though? You. He had said he was nervous going into the fight with you as well. Yeah, apparently he was nervous also because uh, I had just come off the fight with Bossy, and you know Joel is he was tough. He's always been tough. He's one of the toughest guys in the league for a long time, I think. Oh, absolutely. I I put him, and I think I I agreed with this with fourth line voice, but I put him number one all time for LNH fighters because of how long he did how long it, he lasted. and how good he was at it as well yeah no but joel was a bit off joel <laughs> he's a bit off his rocker oh really i wouldn't i wouldn't have guessed <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> no he, he was he's a bit he's crazy he's a bit crazy i think oh so, that's why I heard this. him and kote were like the two scariest guys in the fucking league yeah see joel can put on that scary act where he can scare you before you get into that fight man you know, he's he he's screaming, he's yelling, he's smashing his stick on the ice in the glass, and you know, skating up and down the boards, and you're just looking at him going, "What the fuck?" Well, his fight, right. like like his square off that he has too, man. He'll come in and he pulls the sleeves up, and he's like, you know, yeah. of course, people listening and they can't see me like pantomiming this fucking shit over here but he's got like his shoulders rolling like this and then he's fucking his eyes are like wide as saucers like he's just he's in he's like honed in it's like a fucking missile just honed in on that dude and he's ready to fucking go yeah it is awesome like i love terrio i'm a huge terrio fan yeah no i i give him all the respect in the world to that guy yeah he did a job that's for sure yeah and he did it for a long time too man like i said he was uh I, I want to say it was 26. It might have been the, either the 15-16 season or the 16-17 season. He finally called it quits. But Okay. It may have been the year after me because, yeah, I, I stopped in six, 2016. I, uh, not, by, not by choice. I ended up having a pretty wicked car accident that uh, put me out and doctors told me not to go back. So uh, from that day on, that was the, the end of hockey. Yeah, that'll do it to you, man. It was yeah, 16, but, uh, yeah, 16, 17 is when he retired. 16, 17? Oh, okay, that's so crazy. a year after me. Like three years ago. That's insane to think about. Because he's been around for a long time. Yeah, like, he's seen uh, his time. first season with the LNH was back in the QSPHL when it was 2000 to 2001. <laughs> so he oh, was yeah, there for yeah. a while. You know, 17 years is a, it's a long time in that league. Oh, fuck yeah. I feel like in that league, like three to five years is long enough, man, with how much oh, man, you're it, doing. It, it takes a beating. It, it takes a toll on you, that's for sure. 
I got shoulders and wrists and broken nose. Broken thirteen after my accident, I found out I had thirteen broken nose. Holy! They did a full. They did a full body scan. They came into me and they told me, "Hey, you got thirteen fractures in your nose." I said, "Oh yeah, really, <laughs> really." <laughs> All right. <laughs> so yeah, no. Uh, when I realized when I got the those. You know, I have a shoulder torn right off its bone. You know, it takes a good beating on you, oh, really. Absolutely. So you, you know, you put your body out on the line, and you're you have to you have to you have to have a heart. I tell you that. Oh, Do that. yeah, for sure. Like so. no doubt. Um, well, unfortunately, well, the next guy I'll bring up, and unfortunately, he was uh, he recently passed away. I think it was actually this year. Um, uh, and you know, there's very mixed reviews on him as well, <laughs> from what I get from people. But you fought Brandon Christian. What was it like fighting him? Uh, Brandon was just a. I think he he's just a big, big boy, like really big. He so, reminds me of like Butterbean. Yeah, he's like guy come when he get when he grabs you. It's just, it's big. <laughs> he's got <laughs> it's big like a meat bear paw. His meat hooks are huge. You know? <laughs> uh, no, he uh, he was big. First time I fought him, I was a little bit nervous going in because he was so goddamn big, and I was 21, I think, or 22. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, he was a big boy with a giant, like a goatee coming down like that. Oh, yeah, he had the, Bald big, head. the, like the billy goat scruff. Yeah, and a bald head, and he takes his bucket off, and you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, that was when he dropped the skullet, because he used to have that that old, like, the cul-de-sac on the top with the mullet growing out the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, but, like, uh, he's, uh, like, again, once again, all the respect in the world for him. Uh, He did the same job. He he was a big boy. I don't think he was a guy who wanted to go open toe-to-toe. He used his size. He used his his weight. He didn't. Uh, he wasn't an open fighter. I don't think. Right. Yeah, and it seems like that from some of his his fights. Uh, I guess fight clips I've seen and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I, I don't think he was quite the toe to toe fighter. Although I feel like he could maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was something with his. You know, if if he had been injured before, but I feel like he's big enough to where he could have definitely done it for sure. Because I mean, he was a fucking oh, huge cool. human. I've. Uh, you know, I know. I've had, I've had a buddy on before and his name's Brent Cover and he you know I collect enforcer jerseys but he takes it to a whole another level. I want to say he's got like 800 something jerseys. The biggest one in his collection is a Brandon Christian Winter Wild LNH one. The thing he's got to be huge. He said it was it had to be modified because there was no normal jersey that could fit that motherfucker. I believe they had it's, to they had to stitch side panels in. They did and he says I I want to say when he measures it out you know, I think the highest size is typically like a 60 or a 58, like a 60 being the goalie yep. cut. It comes out to like a yep. 72. <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, boy. Fucking big hoss. Yeah, because I wore a goalie. I almost wear a goalie jersey in Elmira when I was in Elmira, yeah. okay? I took I had a goalie jersey because the, they weren't stopping the fights when the shoulder pads and the helm or the jersey weren't coming off. When it was coming off, the refs right. didn't stop the fight. So, you know, the bigger the jersey, the better. Absolutely. Fuck, Bosse wears a Bosse wore a goalie size jersey as well. 
Yeah. Uh, the arms are loose. You can you can't grab them. Yeah. You can grab jersey, but no matter how hard you grab the jersey, that arm is still all is all loose and ready to rock and roll, man. Oh yeah, that's probably the most common thing I see in in terms of like um, I don't know, like tendencies and enforcer jerseys. I always find um, they always wear goal. Like I have a lot of goalie jerseys. Like I have a by Lois Trasher one goalie jersey. Bosses a goalie jersey. You know, so it, it's it's always yeah. and I want to say Maxwell's might be too because that thing's a fucking like a dress on me. That thing's huge. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, yeah, it's a, I kind of make it easier for sure to fight. That's for sure. Did you ever do any other like tricks? Like I don't know, maybe shorten your fight strap or a like, like I think even on this this Terrio one I'm wearing, he shortened the hem a little bit on it. Like the fight strap on this one is shortened as well because this was the last jersey he ever wore. Well, what I did was I did the front and back strap. Gotcha. Mayran did that as well. So I put the front tie down and the back tie down. And uh, the, the uh, elbow pads, the uh, jersey, jersey was halfway up the elbow pads already. Yep. So all you had to do is uh, just give your arm a little flick there and there goes the elbow pad. You're not having to fight to get it out of the jersey. But right. yeah, the double tie down, double tie down is huge. I make a big difference. I thought. Right, because then they can't pull it up on uh, like in front of your face or anything anymore. Exactly, so they can't pull it up here and start giving you these ones. You know, right. the little short job. So uh, no, I yeah. It, uh, it the, the fight strap, uh, they're good. They're better. The yeah, two. yeah. That's what like I said. That's what May Rand did, and I know Andre Waugh did that on his as well because he's yeah. apparently in a fight with with uh. Well, not Mark Andre Wall in the LNH. I'm talking about like Andre Wall from the uh, yeah, yeah. the NHL. Yeah, yeah, he did that as well. I think he said yeah, a fight with uh, with fight with Domi. Domi put it up like in front of his face, and he's like, "No more of that." <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, put a, put an end to that with the, with the double tie down. Um, you know, well, so we'll skip ahead a little bit here because you know I'm looking at your fight card, and it's like you fight the same guys over and over again. And we've already already asked you about them because you fought so many damn times. It's like I don't think you have a single fight card here that's less than I don't know fucking thirty fights a year. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, my yeah, I think my lowest was probably thirty six. Oh, that's it, just thirty six. <laughs> yeah, I something like that. You know, when I, when I started doing this, I figured. Why do it half-assed? Why not go try and have the most fights? Why not go? You know, I didn't care to win or to win or lose. You know, I that that wasn't a big deal for me. If I walked out beat up, I didn't care. I put on a show. I did what I needed to do for the boys, and that's it. Right, and that's everybody part of the would always. Thing. Yeah, just showing up. Yeah. Everybody would always, you know, judge the fight by who got to take down, who did this, but. In the end, fuck half the time I never got hit. You know, it may look like it, but half the time we never get hit. Right. Yeah. So, and then they go for the oh, he won the fight because he got the takedown. Uh, uh, I don't like uh, the takedown. I, I hate the takedown. Um, yeah. Like um, I'll, know, I'll, fall, I'll fall down. I'll fall down in the middle of a toe-to-toe fight and, and stop instead of trying to take the guy down. You know. Right. As long as I as long as I went toe to toe with the guy and put on a show, and the boys and the the bench were all happy and jacked up, and that's all that matters. No, oh, for sure, absolutely. Um, well, you know, skipping ahead a bit here, 
you know, it's it's 2012 and 2013, and you're with you're you're back with Tetford at this time. Could yeah. you could you tell the league was kind of changing a little bit at this point? Because this was oh, yeah. I've always heard that kind of the Big prime time. for the LNH was like that 04 to like 2010 ish. So by this point, I feel like the league is kind of starting to dwindle down a little bit as far as the toughness goes. Yeah, it is because uh, one thing they started to do, they stopped pay. They cut the pay down. And they started to uh, less practices, less stuff. I think guys just didn't want to do that job for the amount of money they were giving. Right. Well, honestly, when I got to walk home, when I got to walk in my front door and explain to my three boys what happened, uh, to dad the next day because I got a big lump under my eye and a black eye and a busted nose and a fracture orbital bump. You know, they ask me questions and uh, I can't do that for nothing. You know what I mean? They gotta, they gotta pay. They, they gotta pay for that. Fuck that. Yeah, exactly. It's like again, toughest job in sports, and unfortunately, even even when it was really prevalent in hockey, it was still kind of the most underpaid job in sports, if that. You know, yeah. But I think the paychecks went down. I think the guys stopped really wanting to do all that fighting for for what it was. I don't know. Me, uh, the less money they paid me, the less I fought. Understandable. I don't fucking blame you. <laughs> you know, because there, there's a point where it's your it's your health and your body and all that shit. I got to live with it. They don't care. They don't care two years down the road if I fucking got separated shoulders and busted up back, you know. So at least they they should do something while we're doing it. Right. No, so. I get it, man. Totally, I totally get it. It's um, if I, if you're gonna put your well being on the line like that, you got to get fucking paid for it, man. Exactly. So you know when they like they, like I said when they start to take the salary cap down from twenty five thousand a week to uh, eight thousand. It's a big difference. Yeah. So and that that happened after started to go down in '09, I think. Because mm-hmm. we yeah, because we got caught in in Palm Rouge. All the big guys got caught getting paid cash and stuff. So that's why they <laughs> they folded. So after that, they put in I believe another salary cap that it wasn't much. So fuck yeah. It's just, you got like sometimes it's not even worth it, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's like I almost think that's why people. Well, I shouldn't say that. I I feel like people kind of misconstrue the LNH because at that point, what is it worth for you to go fight in the ECHL making five hundred bucks a week as opposed to fighting in the LNH for? You know, fifteen hundred a week. Five hundred a game. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. five hundred a game, something like that. Because I mean. Back in the earlier days when the owners were all, you know, fucking, it was it was a dick measuring contest, man, and it was money under the table and shit. These dudes were getting paid. It was, the enforcers were making the most money in the fucking league over the goal scorers. But they, they, they do. That's the thing. That's the thing. In the, in the LNAH, they are making more money than the, well, if not more than your top scoring guys, maybe even, you know, right at par with them. Yeah. Because to bring people into the fucking stands, you had to have, you had to have fights. Yeah, you know, and if you had fights and you were constantly losing, nobody want to come fucking see you. Right. 
So at least if you have fights, they're still going to come. Now, is it true? I've heard some of this before. Did they? Did the league have like, I don't know, guarantee like three? If you don't get three fights this game, or like if you if you as a spectator, like as a fan, don't see three fights this game, you get like a free fucking pizza or like a free oil change or some <laughs> shit like that. Did that shit ever happen? I don't, I don't know, man. I can't. I I've can't heard some shit like that. And not. It sounds ridiculous, but again, I I really wouldn't put it past any of the shit in the L and H. No, I, I haven't heard that, but you know, like you said, I wouldn't put it past either. Right. So back 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 in the day, I could see it more in uh, the early two thousands than the yeah. later. I could see that happening more then. Exactly. Um. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of talking about the payroll and paychecks and shit, man. Um. Were you there when? There was that infamous, like, um, it was the Sorrell Tracy and Tetford Mines, uh, the Pro Lab brawl. Were you there for that? Because oh, I want to say it was it was either the year you were in Laval or you might have been in Elmira or Flint for it. I think it was in Elmira. I think I was in Elmira, and I it was the year I played before in Tetford. Because I remember we got into a, a bench clearing brawl with uh, four, Three Rivers, right? When we were in, uh, in Tedford, but I don't think I was in that uh, that brawl. But you no. know which one I'm talking about, right? I think so. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah where it's it's Mayrand and Renard just going fucking ape shit against Tedford because Gates was suspended. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, I wasn't there for that one. I heard about that. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah that's a good that's one true. for those listening. You can just look up L and H brawl, and I I want to say it's either the first or second option on the uh, on YouTube, and oh, it yeah. is one of the most one sided beatings you will ever see in your life. But rumor <laughs> has it that there was an there was an envelope of cash in the dressing room that kind of uh, started a or little uh, little incentive to start something that period. <laughs> well, back, back then, man, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Doubt oh it. no, no. Uh, not at all. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it at all. <laughs> For sure. Um, you know, getting back to your career here, and it's funny because this part of the LNH, man, it's kind of like the the last two raw the enforcers, I think, because this is like eleven, yeah. twelve is what is you know kind of the time frame we're in here. But I almost appreciate this um, this era of the LNH even a little bit more than that the prime like 05 to 10 05 to like 08 or whatever because it's kind of like the the tough guy is kind of being phased out of hockey everywhere but the lnh Mm -hmm. was still putting you guys in the league and giving you guys roster spots and you were fighting tough tough customers still and guys were kind of coming by from other leagues like uh the guy mentioned now frankie lassard you know you fought him a few times yep Frank was fun to fight because Frank was honest. Frank was ready. He was ready to go toe to toe. Once you hit the ground, that was it. You know, he didn't. He didn't pull any shit after that. He was. He was fun. One other guy. Another guy I liked to fight. Yeah, he was toe to toe. He'd he'd be a lefty, yeah. and he would just go wide open with that fucking left man. Exactly. No open. Uh, I, I I enjoy fighting lefties because. Neither one of us was going to go grab that other arm. We were going to throw just uh, just till somebody went down. Right, you're not going to block at anything. <laughs> um, it's more fun like that. Well, quick question about Lassard. Do you know why the fuck he used so much damn ankle tape? Ankle tape? 
Yeah, have you? Did, no. did you ever know? Oh my God, he used. It looked like he used a like you know the clear like regular clear hockey tape. It looked like he used a roll on each foot or on each ankle. <laughs> I don't oh, that's know right. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I saw. I know he could use a whole roll on each skate. Like holy yeah. shit! I don't know why yeah. he did it. I don't know if it, like my guess is it had to be something with balance during a fight. It had to have been. There's no other reason to do that. I don't know why because if the way he taped it, you, you couldn't you couldn't bend your ankles. No, not at all. Yeah. Your ankles <laughs> didn't move. No, no, I remember that. That, that I I couldn't uh, I didn't understand why he put a whole roll of sock tape on each uh, on each leg. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, well, the next year, man, you're with. Um... Fuck, you're with Thet- you're with Thetford Mines again. Or excuse me, Tetford Mines again. Um, and you fought a guy, and he, uh, he was in the league. He was kind of one of those guys who was like the last leg of enforcers that came up into the league. He didn't. I don't think he played anywhere else prior to that. That was um, really big professionally. But you fought. Uh, you know, excuse me if I mess the uh, pronunciation up on this. If it's French or not, but um, you know, in the English version, it's Gabby Roach, or is it Gabby, Gabby Rock? Rock. Gabby Rock. I right? never. I don't think. Did I fight Gabby? I'm not sure. Yeah, you did. Yeah, the video. It's it, fucking hockey fights has the video of it too. Okay, I don't know how that one went. I think Gabby uh, landed a good one on me. I think. I know he was a very he was a big toe to toe fighter as well. He went toe to toe with Morasti. Yeah. No, the kid's got another uh, head like a rock. <laughs> the name fits him then. Exactly, it fits him. Like Gabby Rock. No, he once again he's a legitimate tough kid too. Really, uh, I don't know where he played before, but uh, like you said, uh, this kid could take a could take a punch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he he, he would. Uh, you hit him in the head, and he wouldn't even move. He's like like you said, exactly like Morasti. Yep. Well, you know, speaking Not of Morasti, I... that was the next guy I was going to bring up because he was in Sorel that year. This is twenty thirteen to fourteen, and this is. You know, I love I love watching Morasti fights from you know his early days in the LNH to the AHL, but I think this is my favorite version of Morasti just because he he went out and you know even to yourself too, you guys went out the same way in your careers the way you began it. You know, you're fucking both going sitting there toe to toe every fight didn't yeah. fucking matter, and you're just there to put on a show for the fans, and it's like. Um, I don't know. It's like a, it's, I don't know the way I fucking see it's like a swan song or something, you know, but you know, you fought John. What? Like, I think that was your first meeting with him since Danbury, right? Uh, ooh, let me see. Cause going through the fight cards, yeah, I didn't see, I, I didn't so. see, I didn't see John at all. Um, in any no, LNH not. ones. I think we, we missed each other in the LNH. A few cause, times. Yeah. Cause he was there. I think you missed him by a season. I think. Yeah. Well, cause I think he, where was, fuck was he? He was with Sorrell, and uh, then he went to. Then he went to. I think he had maybe. Well, then he went to Danbury, and then after that, I think he was when he went to Syracuse. Yeah, okay. He was in Syracuse when I was in. Uh, where the fuck was I? Uh, you probably would have been with either Tetford or uh, the Radio X. Oh yeah, it was Radio X then. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, so no, but uh, John, John, it was it was always a good fight. He, he had a good fight with everybody, that guy. He did. It didn't matter. He was always there to put on a fucking show. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was like like you said, it, it was all about the fucking show. That's it, man. It was the show. There was no, uh, well, 
Uh, some guys you you didn't like, but the majority of the guys you fought, you could say hi to them. Or I I could I didn't. There's a few guys I kept a grudge with, but uh, other than that, there was you fight and that's it. You yeah. know, like there was who did I have a grudge? I didn't like uh, Hubert Poulin, this punk. I didn't like this punk. This guy was a joke. Why didn't you like him? Well. He'd talk and he'd talk and he'd talk and he would never really square up and fight. And he didn't like me because I, I broke his nose. Right. Uh, in, the, in the corner one time. And uh, ever since then, his nose was on the side of his face and he didn't like me. <laughs> but he would, he, he was one ugly ass dude. You know? I don't know if you've ever talked to this guy, but I never had uh, this guy's, no, don't even bother. This guy's a giant tool bag. I hope he listens to it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I thought, well, it's always it's a little bit refreshing when a player kind of uh, like a, like a former player like yourself kind of lets loose a little bit because some guys are kind of kind of coy on it. And I think my favorite was um, <laughs> hopefully he's listening is uh, when I interviewed Swanson. It was like literally he'd kind of laid the mouth a little bit on Christian, and I was like, <laughs> I, it, was, it was literally like the like two days before I was about to release the episode. Let me put this chew in. Hold on. Um, <laughs> two days before I released the episode, unfortunately, with everything that happened with Brandon Christian, he um, you know, you know what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw, you know, that's too bad of what happened. Oh, him. absolutely, hundred you know. percent, it is. And you know, of course, I never knew Brandon personally, but you know, definitely respect him for what he did in the role and everything like that. But yeah. I, uh, I asked Swanee, I was like, you know, hey man, uh, <laughs> do you want me to take anything out about Christian? He's like, no. And he's like, you know what? He's like, it was just how it was as a player. So it's, you know, it is with this. And I'm sure Christian would probably say the same thing kind of type deal. Because that's oh, yeah. who Brandon was. Yeah. Though. Brandon was very outgoing from what I can understand as far as his, his outspokenness on players. Because um, even in that, that Tough Guys documentary, if you've yeah. ever seen that one, he's kind of outspoken about shit too. So, yeah, it is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with some bad blood. No, no, it happens. You know, it's part of the game. So, uh, some guys can can walk away from it, okay. Some guys will yep. hold a grudge. Oh, yeah. Me, uh, there's the only, uh, I don't think there's really anybody I, I hated other than Poulin and uh, Duplain at one time. Sam <laughs> Duplain. I was going to say which but, one because uh, there was about 400 in the damn LNH going around. We, uh, I fought Duplain for a while. I think I fought him over 30 times, Sam Duplain. We have the most fights between the two people in hockey. Oh, like hockey history? Yeah, wow. from what I understand. I was going to say, well, because going cool. through your fight card, man, I'd see Duplain, 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 Duplain. <laughs> yeah, we fought a lot, man. Really a lot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a whole good shit ton of great stuff to say about that guy so i'll just shut my mouth right now <laughs> no worries um well then we'll move on to the next guy and this is a guy you know i try to get him on the podcast and hopefully if he's listening he'll come on um i didn't hear anything back from him but was weapon x alex penner you know how was it fighting him man i fought him <laughs> yeah you did you were with um okay you were with tetford and he was with um God damn! Well, I can't. John Kier. Yep, John Kier. I was about to say I can't. I can never. I can never remember that damn name. Once again, this guy. Uh, I don't know him at all. Uh, I know nothing about this guy. Uh, uh, he was big and long. You know, he had those long arms. 
it, it was a tough, it was tough, but uh, I, I couldn't tell you I had a good fight with him or not. I don't think I did. <laughs> well, it is what it is. I don't know. I think there's video out yeah. there, actually. You could see it. Um, well, the next year, you know, 2014, 2015, you are with, well, again, I don't know if this is in chronological order here because you, went, you were three teams that year. Um, and this yeah. is with hockey DB. I'm assuming you started the year off with Tetford. Yeah, I started off with Tetford, uh, and then uh, what is it? I wanted too much money, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then <laughs> ended you up ended up in either Laval or Cornwall after that, and then you ended yeah. up on the other, uh, vice versa, with whatever team you ended up on after that. Yeah, I went from I went from Tedford to Laval. Laval had to because. Uh, I, uh, I said, fuck, I'm not driving to Laval all the time. You guys come pick me up. So they were sending uh, two guys to come pick me up two and a half hours away and drive me to the game and drive me back. So uh, apparently that got too expensive for them, so they traded me to Cornwall. Well, there you go. I know I know for a fact Bobby Longgrass off the bucket drop. He's a uh, you know fellow kind of enforcer guy and podcaster, and he uh, likes to follow the tough guys, and he's from Cornwall. So uh, I know he'll appreciate this, some of the Cornwall talk here. But, um, you know, for starters, man, how did you enjoy Laval playing in the House of Pain actually for, as like the home team this time for once? Well, besides besides when you were there for the two games prior to that. It was not bad, you know. I, I got a good welcome. Uh, I think people are happy to see me there because uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, the majority of the tough guys in this league, they would they're always injured. Everybody was always injured. Oh, well, yeah. With how many times yeah. you guys are fighting the game and, you know, get back and do it the next week, man. Well, that and then I, it doesn't help with me. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get hurt very often. You know, I didn't miss very many games due to injuries. So I, I was fairly, uh, what do you call it, uh, resilient when it came to injuries. I was rarely hurt. But a lot of the guys in the league, they're always, you know, a busted hand or whatever. But I, I, I don't know why. I never really got hurt that much. Well, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> you say almost say it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't miss very many games when it came to injuries from fighting. Well, you know, a broken I mean, nose and still. Clearly not I, I with how many fights you had. God damn. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Like I said before, you might as well fucking go and give it a, give it shit and, and do it half-assed, you know. Well, a guy you fought that year, and I got to ask you about him, and he's still in the league now, and it's, to me, this is kind of a guy, it was like, um, it's almost like the changing of the guard in the LNH, like those, the, the veterans like yourself, and Terrio, Morasti, uh, McMorrow, they're kind of on their on their way out, and you guys were on your way out at the time, um, but I'm kind of a fan of him because he's kind of, he brings that old LNH spirit to it, and he plays for Sorrell, but it was uh, David Lacroix, what was it like fighting him? Bah, again, uh, I don't really have much good to say about that meathead. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Not much good. He, he's a complete straight-up meatball. Straight-up <laughs> straight up meathead. Like, this this is one of the dumbest people you'll speak to. <laughs> no joke. Really? No, no joke. Him and, him and Sebastian Laferriere. No, yeah. Those two guys. Those two guys, I got to tell you, are probably the two dumbest people on the planet. 
Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that. Well, I mean, maybe, but I wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> no, no uh, I don't know. The koalas, uh, I, I don't respect him at all. I think he, I thought he was more of a pretender than anything. He's just a big juice monkey. Uh, he didn't hit hard. He, uh, he's not scary. That's for damn sure. He doesn't have any sort of, I don't think he's got any kind of intimidation factor around this guy whatsoever. You know, the only thing I've noticed with Lacroix is it seems like to me, his balance is off in his fights. It seems like he doesn't have right, the greatest he's no, balance. He's got no balance. He's Johnny, no balance. <laughs> no, but uh, this guy. Well, when I was there, okay, when I was playing, I looked down. I I didn't look at him as a a tough, real tough guy. I, I thought he was more of a little little fucking bitch. Excuse my language, but I, well, he, he was. I've, I've dropped a bunch of f bombs already throughout this podcast. Like, I've been hitting the fucking Jack Daniels, so that that'll help. So whatever you say, it doesn't really matter. This is completely All uncensored. Right. <laughs> All right, cool. But no, I, he didn't. Uh, I don't think he earned any respect anywhere. When I was around, he didn't earn any respect. I don't think. Right, and I get what you're he saying. He didn't do. He did. He didn't do anything. You know, he he didn't really. I don't know. I'm not going to stop them. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll um, leave it like that. So, well, the last guy I'll ask you about from this season, and you know, went on to have his uh, UFC career, and you'd already know who I'm talking about. Just saying UFC, and you fought him before. And I just read, oh, yeah? you know what's funny is. Who's this guy talking about? Uh, might be uh, Steve the Boss Boss. I ever heard of him? <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know oh, this guy. Yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, and it's guy. funny because I still, I posted the video of your guys' fight, uh, the yeah. this one, when you're in Cornwall. So it's later in your guys' career. And he's with Laval. And I still, for whatever reason, on Instagram, that's like one of the most popular videos I've ever posted. Oh, yeah? I, I still get likes on it every single day somehow. Um, maybe it's because of the hashtags. Just enough people shared it, and people will always comment like, "Oh my god!" Like, uh, like they'll tag their buddies. Check this fucking tilt out. This is fucking awesome. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, man, dude. Yo, I'm telling you what, man. Your tires get fucking pumped on Instagram. On, well, on the the podcast Instagram because it's it's both your fights with Bosse, the one where you had where it was toe to toe. You broke his nose that you talked about earlier, and then this one here. When he's with Laval, man, both those videos get likes every single day on Instagram. I want to say it's up to like fucking oh, almost. Yeah. I think I could check it now, but I want to say it's almost at like ten thousand views. It's crazy, and that's from being yeah. posted maybe maybe a month ago, maybe. But oh yeah, what was it wow. like? What was it like going into that fight with him, man? Because at this point, you know, Bosse had been out of the league for quite a while, and then came back for that that short stint with Laval. How was it going into that fight? Were you nervous at all? No, no, because I think we, uh, I got that out of me in 08 or 09 in, uh, what do you call it? I think we, I don't know about him. I think we had a respect for each other. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Me, uh, I, I had a respect for him, but uh, I, he, he wasn't intimidating. The first fight may be a little bit intimidating for the, to begin with because, you know, well, me, no, I wasn't intimidated. Forget that. Um, but I think there was a respect there. I think in that in that last fight that you posted there, 
Because it wasn't a good fight, I don't think. Oh, I like it. I mean, both of you just fucking go toe-to-toe. That was in the, when I was in Cornwall? Yep. And then, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I yeah, gotta take a look at that. I was just I was just looking at it, and between both that video and your your first or well maybe I'm not I think it was your first fight with him because you fought him when he was in Verdun, but I don't know if that footage is out there at least on YouTube. No. Um, but that so. fight between those two, it's got like eight thousand views on Instagram between the two of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So fuck it, it gets out there. Okay, so you got a you have a five for fighting podcast on Instagram too, or how does that work? I do. Because me, I'm not a. I'm not a I'm not a big social media guy. Well, no, uh, I didn't even I just, when you messaged me, I didn't even know it was you. I I was yeah. like, oh, it was like, oh, who's this person messaging me? I was like, oh, cool, they're like a fan of the page, awesome. Because I'll get some messages sometimes, like you know, oh, uh, love the page, love what you're doing, and, you know, I, lo- I love it. I love that people actually enjoy it and uh, have respect for the role and everything. So when you messaged me, I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Curtis Tidball, I'm talking to you, like holy shit. <laughs> oh, because yeah, I um, what was I saying? I uh, yeah, I was a social completely out of the social media uh, shit for forever. I never had a Facebook. I never had an Instagram. None of that stuff because you know it's just none of my stuff. But I opened a hockey gym and I needed all of that. And when I when I got on that, I started seeing different things that I hadn't seen forever because I was never on the internet. I never used Facebook and Instagram and that kind of shit. But uh, that's why it wasn't under my name. It was under my wife. So that's probably why I uh, didn't understand who the fuck is this guy. Yeah, I was like, oh, like I said, it was just, oh, it's just another another fan of the page. Like, that's cool. Like, I, I love when people message me and have, like, actual, like, appreciation for it and people actually enjoy the group because that's what it's there for. Because there's a bunch of other groups on Facebook, hockey fights, hockey fights this and brawls this, but they nobody has respect for it, though. They'll post fights, and then you see people comment, oh, this guy was a fucking dummy or a goon or whatever. I'm like, oh, oh, fuck that off. Just, that drives me absolutely up the wall because the guy's doing that. The guy's making those comments are guys who would never put their feet in our skates ever. Oh, you know? exactly. And, and they got enough balls to sit back there and fucking judge. That drives me nuts. That drives me up the wall. Yeah, you know? I, can't, I, can't, I can't fucking stand that, man. It drives me absolutely insane that's kind of the reason i made the made the new group um once i figured out how i was able to post videos like instead of posting youtube links i was able to find and like um download the video and post it directly to facebook and that's what kind of made the page take off and then it helped um i don't know if you know who this is but todd screwy st louis you ever heard of him he was a guy no i didn't hear anything about him until i saw the the the, um what do you call it your your group there so i i added him on there because he's guy got him on my facebook so i see his posts and stuff like that now yeah awesome but, uh, dude i've had him on the show and he really helped get the group like get the ball rolling as far as because in the group i have a lot of former players on there actually which is awesome and you always see like fan and player interaction and like the guys like uh you know mike stagroy or even john morasti morasti's in the group and he'll comment on you yeah. know this like whatever fight was posted or stuff like that so that's what's really cool and um Screwy St. Louis actually really helped me get the ball rolling on that because he invited a lot of the former players into the group when I first made it like forever okay. ago. Um, and even like he, I think he invited Mayrand in and Mayrand was like one of the like original, like 100 members I had in the group. So it's cool that Mayrand has been in the group for like ever. <laughs> oh yeah. When did you start this? How long ago? 
I, a little, a literally, um, a little bit over a year ago. I want to say I think I started it in May of last year. I was running because I do, con, yeah, I do construction, and I was running a DMV job. And in the very beginning, it was really slow because we had to keep the DMV open, um, and so okay. we had to keep it open. And it was kind of slow because we could only do so much construction while there's actual customers in there and everything like that. So I was like trying to pass some time and I got so sick and tired of seeing all these fucking Facebook groups of, Oh, he's a fucking goon, a dummy or fucking this. <laughs> no, and that. I was like, you know what? I got to inter- interrupt you right now. That word goon drive me nuts. I, I hate that fucking word too. I, I do. Because, because there, there's no, uh, that goon is, uh, I don't, uh, I don't even know how to explain that, that word goon that drive me nuts. Cause uh, you know, fuck is a goon. You know, we're enforcers. We do a job for the boys on our team. We're not meatheads go out there and fucking just with no, uh, uh, I don't know, no, no limits and shit. Just do whatever. Fuck that. Uh, that, that drive me up the wall. That exactly. So I was tired of seeing that, and I was like, because I've I've always gravitated toward the fourth liners and the the enforcers and then there's been a couple pages that have helped me along the way like fourth line voice um my buddy joe over the coliseum chronicles and bobby longgrass who i mentioned earlier um and they you know we we had our our own little tight-knit community on twitter which was like a like a hockey fight group or like uh, not a group per se but like you know this little community where just a certain amount of us because you go on twitter now and twitter is run by unfortunately (laughs) people my age who don't who you know, they started watching hockey four years ago, so they see this yeah, footage. They yeah, they see this yeah. footage of like Probert or Wendell Clark, and like, what the fuck is this? You know, and they. Do. I've been a fan of hockey since I was two years old, so as far as I can remember, and I got, I got to grow up watching Quad City Mallards with Toporowski, McIntyre, Goulash, guys like that. You know, just absolute yeah, fucking yeah. killers. So I've always respected the role, and you know, guys like that have really helped it along and really pushed it together. So without guys like that, I wouldn't even have the group, and that's kind of what kind of sparked it was these there's actual people out there that really appreciate the role of what you as a player like yourself did. And you went out there and laid it all on the fucking line for, you know, the boys and get your team going. Yeah. That's what a lot of people don't get about that job. They they think we're just big dummies who go out and, and fight. But in the end, honestly, we're the nicest guys out there. We're the softest. We're the softest guys on the team, you know? Right, we're we're not the fucking biggest donkeys on the team. We're 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 the nicer ones, all of us, all of them, for the for the majority of actual hockey player enforcers. From what I what I've learned, I think those guys are probably the nicer ones on the team. Absolutely, and I, it's funny because I just had Danny Probert on. I did a Bob Probert special, and I had his wife okay. on to do the show. And you know, it's funny hearing her describe how Bob was, and you think Bob Probert, you know what the toughest sob to lace up the skates he's gonna be this mean angry guy and she's like he was the biggest teddy bear you'll ever meet <laughs> so it's yeah, like man, man, everybody's man. nice it's 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 refreshing that people actually realize how you guys are as people and there's people out there that don't look at you guys as goons or you know dummies yeah. like we said so you know the, the, whether you might see it or not because i know i don't know how much you're on social media per se but there is actually a lot of people that appreciate that shit and like i said we have almost uh, we just hit eleven thousand members in the group 
who actually give yeah, a shit and fucking that's, enjoy it. That's pretty, that's pretty fucking cool, man. I think that's cool. You have 11,000 people looking at that group and appreciating what those guys, all these guys did over the years because, you know, that game, the game has gone in a different way now. We're not going to see, we're not going to see that anymore. No, that'll never we're be syndicated hockey. Type of players. No. no, it'll never come back. No, well, regardless of what people, because some people think it'll come back, but it's it's not coming back. No way, not the way people are today, man. You can't yell at anybody. You can't do nothing <laughs> anymore without somebody crying. No, for sure, man. Um, but, but just to go into that, just a little bit, the uh, pigeonhole of the uh, tough guy. Yeah, go ahead, man. Um, how everybody thinks they're the mean guy. The, you know, I, I started a business by myself here. Um, training hockey players on synthetic ice and uh, opened the first hockey gym around. And uh, because I was a fighter, okay, I get this this uh, reputation of being a complete asshole, complete jerk. But the fact is, you know, we're, we're the fucking nicest people there. We're the softest guys there. And that pissed me off that so many people have that, that, uh, what do you call it? Uh, preconceived notion that we're just big dummies, and they they they, they fucking they don't they just I drive me nuts. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> You're good, man. No, I get it, and you know, like that's awesome that you have this. You know, you're coaching kids and everything like that, and bettering them. And I know Mike Segroy is another big guy, and I've had him on the podcast, and he's post he posts in the group all the time, or not post, but he'll comment on the group all the time on certain yeah. fights, even just topics. And he's another one that he coaches kids now and i mean a lot of kids he's it's funny he's actually in orlando which is like an hour and a half two hours away from me um okay and he's doing that and he's coaching kids too and you know guys like segroy and yourself you're you get pigeonholed into the role so you're kind of always looked at as a fighter but you're more than that in all in all reality exactly there's way more to it than putting on your skates dropping your helmet and your gloves and fighting there's that whole other element of, of family, the boys, doing it for the team, taking it for the team. Everything is so you got to be unselfish to do that role. Oh, and for sure. Care more about you got to care more about your team than yourself. You put yourself in that position, you go home hurt, you know. But you do it not for yourself, but for everybody else. Right. Absolutely, man. Um, well, before I let you go, man, you know, what's the name of your, your, your clinic or the coaching that you have, um, like the program? Uh, it's uh, called 3, 3MT Hockey. The The name comes from my boys. I got three boys, uh, Mathis, Malik, and Milan. So uh, we named it 3M Hockey. And uh, what we do is I, I got the kids from five all the way to junior players. Five years old to junior, we train. I got a thousand square feet of synthetic ice and uh, a gym, a hockey specific gym with the plyometrics and hockey specific equipment. Uh, we're looking to get uh, maybe a skating treadmill and some uh, Vertimax, but uh, we, they, well, it's just me. I shouldn't say we, <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> But uh, it's been three years now, and uh, since it's going, we burned down a few years ago once. Uh, so it's been uh, it's been tough to start, but uh, we uh, we're, we're getting along now, and uh, trying to help the area 
um, with their hockey. Because where I'm at right now, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm in a town with a bunch of happy losers. <laughs> okay? A bunch of happy losers. That's it. They're just happy to to be around. And that drive me absolutely nuts to just be a happy loser. It doesn't, doesn't work, man. Right. Yeah, well, I get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. I, I got a whole other fucking five hours to bitch about that with you. So. <laughs> Maybe another time. Maybe another time. <laughs> well, yeah. man, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And, you know, with how many seasons you spent in the LNH and you're third all time in penalty minutes and you have 613 career fights, like what a fucking career you had, man. Well, thank you. I, I you know, it was my dream to play hockey. I wanted to play hockey. Uh, uh, fighting was m- more pushed upon me and I took on the role because why not? Like I said before, nobody sitting down when there's a fight. No, nobody. <laughs> so you get, you're the focus of attention and then you can change the atmosphere of a fucking rink in seconds. Oh dude. Absolutely. Oh yeah. You can make everybody stand up or you can make everybody sit down and shut up fast. <laughs> right you know <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> exactly yeah. man. go ahead oh i was gonna say well i mean fuck dude you you might have gotten pushed into the role a little bit but goddamn, did you embrace it and you came in third in all-time penalty minutes in what's known as the toughest hockey league in the entire world so i mean hey, question can, that's something you can question for, yeah. oh question for me what's who's, up, the, who, who's the other two guys uh with more pims than me Oh, I'll have to fucking pull it up real quick. Hold on. I I want to say I think the I think maybe second is McMorrow actually because of course he's still fucking playing. He played just this last I season. Did, didn't he? Jesus Christ! Crazy See, bastard. He 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 uh, he can fight and not get hurt. Him. Right. He, he 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 doesn't open himself up to be hurt. Right. Yeah, because well, like, and again, it's it's the thing with McMorrow. It's like some days he'll he'll go wide open, and the other days he kind of, um, you know, seat belts a little bit. But I still definitely respect him for his fucking role oh, yeah. and everything like that. But if Sean's listening to this, tell him I miss you, man. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, he is God. I gotta yeah. look this fucking God. Why can't I find it now? God damn it! That's really bothering me now. I gotta know who the fucking the first two guys are. All time totals. Let me fucking see here. Is Danek with third in there? Uh, he might be top 10. So the first, okay, so here we go. I got it now. So the first is uh, Chris Cloutier. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and then the second one is Tommy Bullduck. Oh, yeah. Tommy. Yeah, yeah well, Tommy. And so then you're third, and I, I, I said, well, fuck, I lied. Um, so Sean McMorrow is actually ninth, and then your your boy in at number 10 is uh, Hubert Poulin. Oh, God. What a big <laughs> – hey, you know what? I hope this guy listens to this. I want him to listen. But this guy is the epitome of a wannabe. He is such a pretender, such a wannabe tough guy. He's got no legit status whatsoever. You know, if you are, if this guy walked in 
in 05, 06, 07, 08, he would have got his shit handed to him, gone home with his tail between his legs, and never come back. <laughs> it's, it's your words, not mine, so it's it's more credible coming from you than it would be my dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But if, uh, if he gets to hear this, I'd be more than happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Fuck, let's go through the list here. Uh, Joel Terrio, number eight, and then Brandon Christian at number seven. Um, trying to think, and then Sammy Dew playing at number five. Um, okay. Danik Lassard is at number twelve. Okay. Well, he, uh, yeah, Danik. I got all the respect in the world for Danik. I love Danik. Oh yeah, I know. I love in that that Vice, you know, LNH uh, little documentary that he's trying to come back, and I, he was supposed to come back this year. But I don't think he's. I, I don't know if he's going to end up doing it because, of course, he had the gunshot wounds. But he wants to hit 500 fights. <laughs> I know that's what he wants to do. He wants to hit 500. I talked to him a few years ago about that, and I said, "How are you going to do that, man? You, you're done." But Danik, I could see Danik coming back and and maybe trying to get his because he's he's not far from 500. I don't think. No, I, I want to say. I think he was he was he was within ten of it. I know that for sure. I think the actual numbers might be he might have been six yeah. away from it. Something like that. He was close. Mm-hmm. It was close. I remember that. And then uh, he got uh, only only in this league got shot. <laughs> that happened to a couple guys because I spoke to Brad Lambert yeah, and the same you, thing. Same thing happened yeah. to Brad Lambert. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is the only league where you possibility to get shot at him. Right, welcome to the LNH and list today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, fuck me. No, but I got sorry about the LNH. You know, uh, it gave me a, a good career. Uh, it gave me a lot of fun. I made some money. I got to meet my wife and had my kids because I got to stay here and play. So uh, I can't really say anything bad about the league. Uh, it's the, you know maybe it's going downhill now today with no fighting and stuff, but. Uh, you know, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, it fucking had a good hell of a run. I saw like a solid ten years of being the toughest fucking league, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, everybody considered it to be the toughest league in the world. Oh, without and, a doubt, you know, hands down. Yeah, so I am. I'm happy I got to play in that era. Absolutely, man. And you fucking hung with the toughest of them. I mean, fuck, we just went through the list of guys, and a lot of the guys I even brought up, you fought more than once, and you fought them like five to you know eight times so yeah. you fucking, oh, yeah. you were well, right in the th- right in the thick of it there's no reason to fight somebody who's not as who's less tough than you you know i saw i saw a quote from jeremy leblonsky he said if you've never lost a fight you're fighting the wrong guys absolutely he said it right here on the podcast Isn't <laughs> it? Yeah, he did okay you know what man that is 110 percent true oh absolutely you, man fucking a you, you, Fuck you! You're gonna you're gonna lose fights, man. Simple as that. If you fight, if you're winning all your fights, he's exactly right. You ain't fighting the right dudes, man. Oh, for sure. Fuck, Probert lost fights. It's just how it goes, man. It's the yeah, it's the way it is. Fuck, uh, nobody's uh, nobody gonna walk through everybody. No, not gonna happen. (laughs) Any, I say, any anybody can win any fight any day with any punch. For you sure. Know. Oh, yeah. It's all about mentality and how you go into the fight and shit like that. There's so many different factors that play into winning a fight, and especially in hockey, man. It's 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 so crazy. Oh, yeah. It's a very short period of time, very intense, and, you know, it's not like boxing or anything like that. You got 40 seconds maybe of some 
some solid punches to throw and try and uh, get something going out of that. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, like, uh, I'll let you go here soon. It was, uh, it was awesome talking. Oh, absolutely, man. Fuck. I could have gone on for another, you know, fucking hour and a half. Easy. <laughs> I got, I got, I could talk all day. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. So, no, but uh, this was a lot of fun. I had uh, it's a good. It's good to talk about the old days again, man. It's a long time. Yeah, man. It's uh, fuck. It seems funny. It seems like yesterday, you know, watching all these fights with the lightning or the mallards, and it's it's long gone now. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's not the same at all. No. But um, you know, thanks again for coming on, man. You know, it's it's been awesome. Yeah, it's been more than a pleasure. I uh, had a lot of fun, and uh, you know. I'll be back anytime you want. <laughs> For sure, man. We'll take it easy. You gotta fight. Uh, you too. Take care. Bye, right. right, man. Take care.